I'm like, this is stupid. I mean, they tried to, they tried to just copy the gimmick to start with with the boss. And then they're like, here, let's dress him up like the guardian angels in New York and make him look stupid. And, Tell me uh, how you really feel. <laughs> I mean, it's it's such a stupid outfit. All right, welcome to episode four of the rock and randy's pro wrestling outlaws mud show podcast home of your favorite fake internet wrestling friends <laughs> my name is jason tonight i am joined by big mike and albert and we might have a special guest at the 11 o'clock hour which as we're recording is about 40 very very special yeah And the Phillies are winning, and it's the going into the bottom of the eighth, so I'm very happy while we're recording. Not that anyone cares, but I care. No. <laughs> Jamie Ward might have feelings. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he would care. <laughs> so, um, Mike, this is your yes. baby, just like Brando had to announce his. It is your turn to announce your uh, topic for the week. Okay, well, I think we can all agree that uh, Hulk Hogan coming into WCW, while good for business in the short term, was bad for the company long term. And so what we're going to do is we're going to rebook WCW starting in June of 1994 when they started preparing things for Hogan's arrival. And... Hold on here one second. Cause I saw Albert's face and I kind of understand where he's coming from. <laughs> Is it so much that Hogan was bad for business long-term or the contract that he got and the contracts that Hall and Nash got? Was it really, I think it was more front office was bad for the long term of WCW, not the individual wrestlers themselves. Well, I think. I, I can think kind of see where I think. Oh, go on. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I think I know where Mike is coming from, because from a booking standpoint, things definitely, definitely shifted a few months into the Hogan run. Not initially, but like. Once, once Flair was out of the picture, when Flair was like, he lost, you know, and he had to leave town, and he was done. He lost his career. Now he's talking about wrestling again at 73 after his last match. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think that, like, I, I think I know where he's coming from, because initially, you know, everything wasn't really changed, only other than Hogan was on top. But when they started bringing in, I hate to say it because I like John Tenta, but they bring in the Avalanche, and then and the, and Beefcake is the big reveal as the guy in the mask that attacked Hogan, even though it was clearly Arn Anderson at one time and clearly Kevin Sullivan another time, and then and Tanya Harding's husband, and 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 also the time that there was two of them and they were like 
seven feet tall. So whatever that was about, because I remember that like on an episode of Main Event where one of them was tagging with Flair, and then all of a sudden, oh, there's another one. Yeah, that went somewhere. So there was all of that, and <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous when you say it back, isn't it? But uh, it's like they recycled uh, everything that was bad about uh, the uh, the uh, the thing with Sting. Who was the guy? You know, the magician. Black, I can't Scorp- think. Black Scorpion. Yeah, they like they recycled the Black Scorpion, and it's Brutus Beefcake. And I will remember this too because I've been watching '93 WWF lately, WWF Superstars, because just because I love that whole time period and nonsense and whatnot. Not that it was necessarily good, but. They're getting ready to go into WrestleMania 9. And Jerry Lawler says, beware of the Ides of March. And beware of Brutus Beefcake. Because he's saying Brutus is going to stab him in the back. Kind of made sense then. Because it was actually in March and during the Ides of March. I remember before Starcade, Dusty Rhodes on like the countdown show goes, Beware of the Ides of March, baby, and beware of Brutus Beefcake. And I was like, what the fuck? He's taking over, and he's he's repeating this line from Jerry Lawler from, like, two years ago, or a year ago, year and a half ago at this point. And I'm like, and it makes no sense in here because it's, like, fall, and uh, it's ridiculous. But stupid stuff like that, so, and stuff like where they stop pushing guys like Steve Austin He's moved down the card out of the picture of the U.S. title. So they had this young star up and coming. And all of a sudden now he's on Saturday night doing jobs. Well, see, to me, that's the biggest thing. It's not just, it's not Hogan the wrestler. It's not even the contracts they gave out. It's that once Hogan came in and then they bring in Hall and Ash. And yes, the NWO was a huge angle. Made lots of money, sold tons of merch, whatever. But... It became such a lazy style of booking, I think. And uh, everything, I mean, the company was shifted just like they had shifted it before around Hogan with the guys you mentioned, you know, Hacksaw coming in and being U.S. champ. Just guys past their expiration date, instead of focusing on the young talent they already had, had had they not gone the Hogan route, and had they done some of these these things like focusing on Austin, Dustin Rhodes, Brian Pillman, they had the pieces there. They had Harlem Heat, the Steiners come back in 96. You had Sting. Luger comes in in 95. Flair's still a name. You have Arn, Regal. There's a lot of talent in this company. I and know. All of this talent gets shoved aside. Some of it goes to the WWF and flourishes and helps put WCW out of business. Uh, I, they, th- I just, I don't think if, if they didn't go with Hogan route and push things the way they were, I don't like, I went ahead and, and kept Nitro in here, but I'm not a hundred percent sure without Hogan, if Turner gives them an hour every week on primetime or not. I don't think they do. I think they stay Saturday night and the and main event and some of that stuff. And if if the shows are there on TBS on the weekend, I don't know that they get killed in the AOL Time Warner merger. Because that's a good they, point. They were five hours of primetime TV. 
when the merger happened. How much debt were they in? Well, and that's another thing. At that point. I mean, that The way that that whole side of things worked was so convoluted and, uh, and designed to make the overall company of Turner Media or whatever the, the conglomerate name for it was to make their bottom line look better. Mm-hmm. Like you think about, uh, you know, currently now WWE gets paid rights fees to broadcast the show. Back in the day, they got. They didn't get that. No, they got to sell commercial time though. Exactly. WCW didn't get to do that. Yeah, they, they didn't. didn't get, they didn't get ad revenue. They didn't get ad revenue. They didn't get rights fees. They got nothing. They got zilch. Right. All of that. I don't think they emerged. even got revenue yeah. from the home video, did they? No, that went into Turner Home Video. That was a yeah. separate uh, subsidy uh, or subsidiary of Turner Broadcasting. It's like. None of the guys well, were getting royalties off of it because no. So while they say, "Oh, they were millions of dollars in debt," they were, but from an accounting standpoint, yeah, they didn't receive the the money that they should have received for the programming. I mean, they had three hours of Nitro, two hours of Thunder, two hours of Saturday Night, right? Yeah, and I At think the end it got still... moved to one hour Saturday morning. Okay. So they had. Did they still have main event at the end, or is that gone at that point? I can't remember when it went out. But they had somewhere between five and eight hours of television on the air every week that they received no ad revenue for. At at its peak, and I'll say at its peak being like ninety eight, they had three hours of Nitro, two hours of Thunder, two hours of Saturday Night, an hour of main event on Sunday morning, and an hour of Pro on Saturday morning. Don't forget. Okay. Power Pro is in syndication too. Okay, so worldwide. What were we at? Nine or or ten hours. And but if you go back even to to eighty eight when Turner bought the company, that's thirteen years of missed ad revenue that WCW never received. They didn't have the money, like you said, from the videotapes. All of this revenue that should have gone into WCW. Never got there. So at the end, when they have the merger with Time Warner and AOL, and they look, and it was was Jamie Kellner, right, that was in charge then, that that killed it. He looks and sees million dollars in debt on the books. Yeah, he didn't. The company shouldn't have actually been in that kind of debt, but because of the accounting practices, they were in that level of debt, and they were five hours of primetime programming on his networks that he didn't want. Had that never happened, had they stayed Saturday night, Sunday night, Saturday morning, all those kind of shows, I don't know that they go out of business in 2001. Well, and you got to think they wouldn't have. I agree with you. I mean, a lot of what put them, well, a lot of what made them look in debt were these high-dollar contracts that they were just giving out to every free agent. Not only that, they're actually paying... Guys that didn't deserve that. Who knows? I'm like, what were they paying Buff Bagwell? Whatever it was, it was too much. Right. Well, uh, to bring back someone we talked about last episode, Lanny was paid for five years and just never wrestled once. He didn't even show up, right? He sat at home for at least two years. They never used him. Yeah, because Randy had bought the 
Gorgeous the, George uh, gimmick. Gorgeous George gimmick. And Laney was going to be the new Gorgeous George. And that never came to be fruition. It's like they gave Lanny a p- contract. And he said he had dyed his hair and he was getting ready for do this. They never called him. And uh, and then uh, it's uh, Macho Man brought in his stripper. And uh, <laughs> his stripper right. girl, he brought in, he brought in his stripper girlfriend, you know, and she became gorgeous, George. Yeah, take it, yeah. So I, you know, she that, tells a story of him on ecstasy that just sounds scary. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I think there's so much that changed because of Hogan coming in. The, I mean, the whole organizational mindset changed. I think if Hogan doesn't come in, they don't necessarily give Nash and Hall the kind of contracts they got. Now, maybe they got, maybe they would have got close to that in salary enough to get them to come and leave WWF at that time. But I don't think they get the favored nation clause. So they're not getting raises every time somebody comes in making more money than them. Yeah. I, if you don't have Nitro, you don't have the Monday Night War and the head-to-head battle like that. So are you as aggressive in trying to poach talent constantly? Probably not. Because because if you've, if you've built up Austin and Dustin and Pillman and Regal and Jean-Paul Levesque and some, you know, you bring in Eddie Guerrero and Jericho and Malenko and a lot of these guys. Benoit. Yeah, I know. I don't. Yeah. I, I know we don't like to talk about right. them now. But. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, all all of the guys in that range there. If they would have gone ahead and brought them in and focused on them and built them, yes, some of them would have defected to Vince at some point. Yes, you're going to catch. You well, know, Savage, I think, no matter what, was going to end up there, even if Hogan isn't there, because Savage still wanted to wrestle. Interesting, because I kind of put that. I haven't even really thrown much together, but that's one thing that I thought about too, is that he still ends up there. Maybe not as soon as he got there, but I could still see it happening because I want to say he left like summer of 94. It didn't show up there until October. The last show he did was October 31st. And on the November 7th episode of raw Vince, announces that savage has left the company okay so fun fact towards that he's on the episode of mania that weekend because it was it was pre-taped of course so he was on that november did you say the seventh so he would have been on the november 5th episode of mania it could be as a pre-tapes yeah but i you know i don't think that that, that any of that would have changed uh, Hogan not being in WCW wouldn't have changed Vince's mind about not letting Savage wrestle. He had decided he wanted Savage as an announcer. Savage yeah. is still young enough that he wants to keep going. He's going to leave and go to WCW. And yeah, he's a guy. Age of 42. Yeah. And he's a guy that has the, the cachet and the name value that helps your company. He's going to help pay-per-view buys he's going to help ratings and he's going to be willing to put over young talent and help further these guys careers literally how i use him same (laughs) i because i think and the thing is i think that the savage flair matchup 
that you potentially get without Hogan in the picture is a yeah. much bigger deal. It is. And because I think it's a much they've got longer. History. Yeah. They've got history in WWF to draw from. That's, I mean, that's how I use Savage when I bring him in. I, I have him claim Flair ran away from him. Flair yeah. left and came back here because he was scared of me. Now what's he going to do? And then Flair can, yeah. And Flair can counter back. The last time we faced, brother, I beat you. Woo! Right. Want to just is, jump into this? <laughs> yeah, What's yeah, up? that's fine. Yeah, come on in. Yeah, I mean, that's you know, that's the idea. Is everything changes if Hogan doesn't come in, and and how those things change and how the company looks different. So, one thing here before you start, the one thing I don't think changes is Bischoff being aggressive. Because he was already making moves when he took over in late 93. Yeah, and he would be aggressive, but without without Hogan and that extra impetus from Turner, I don't think he can be as aggressive. So, what are we saying that happens that is different for Hogan doesn't come in. He does he not, not pursue Hogan when Hogan's there available on the same lot, or is it just that Hogan turns him down? I I didn't even look at it from Hogan's standpoint. It's just I, I, Hogan, I'm Hogan just thinking about it. that, you know. That's yeah. I, well, and, I mean, he's got Thunder in Paradise. Yeah. Maybe he just sticks with the acting thing. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, or maybe he. Maybe he does the acting thing and does tours in Japan when he's not shooting. Oh God! I mean, that there's, been awesome. you know, there's options. Uh, I I can't imagine there's any way he ever would get enough money from Heyman to do an ECW spot. Oh. <laughs> What's funny but, is I was just thinking of it in my that head. would be like the craziest, most out there thing. That doesn't work for oh, me, brother. Heyman Heyman mortgages his parents' house to get enough money to pay Hogan for a couple of shots. And then Hogan comes in and is like, that doesn't work for me, brother. You know Herb offered Hogan a contract, right? Oh, that doesn't surprise me. (laughs) I mean, didn't he also try to offer uh, Bruiser Brody a contract? Oh, he he was all set to be his booker. Bruiser Brody was his booker. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So Herb offered Hogan, I think, a $1 million contract for three dates. And Hogan turned it down. So was he still under contract to Vince? Or so was this, would have been, this would have been post him being let go in 93. So uh, it was kind it of a mutual thing there at the end. It was I'm the really surprise he didn't take that. Late 93 and early 94 that Herbo got him. Or tried because, to. You know, I, as long as it was a certified check that you know was going to clear... And maybe that was the problem. Maybe he couldn't get that guaranteed check. Could you see? I'm sorry we keep deviating from what we're supposed to be no, doing. No, could, this this could you see Hogan working in front of 600 people at the MGM Grand for freaking Herb? Can you imagine the pile of cocaine that Hogan and, and Herb Abrams would go through? It would be bigger than the one that Hogan and Vince had when they wrote uh, – no holds barred. <laughs> Over the weekend. It would set a new record. Over the weekend, what at least. We that, that's what he said in his, his WWF autobiography anyway. We wrote it over the weekend, brother. I well, can believe it. I can believe it with that script. 
it probably felt like a weekend because they did four pounds of cocaine and it was nine days and they just didn't realize how much time had passed. You, you, you hit on something we didn't get into on the sleaze list episode is the fact that Dr. D called Hogan, the Tampa pipeline. Yes. Yeah. That kills me. Cause in my head, I hear Dr. D saying it when I read it. He's a Tampa pipeline, baby. Exactly. All right. I'm done deviating. Let's get this going. (laughs) Now, hold on. Go back to the Tampa pipeline. I want to explain the connotation to me. It it was simply that Hogan was the drug connection for a lot of the guys. And I don't know that it was just, was it was a weed? Was it Coke? Was it pills? Was it steroids? Was it everything? I don't know for sure if he ever really detailed that, but that was the, that was what he said. After watching this week's Tales from the Territories, I think we all know now that it was Jim Brunzel supplying drugs for all the guys. <laughs> After the story he told. I've yet to, I've got all three episodes on the DVR. I just haven't gotten to them yet. I've seen yeah. the first two. Haven't watched the newest one on the AWA yet. Brunzel tells a story about Mad Dog Vachon, and I damn near pissed myself laughing at it. Oh, that's the one that uh, where he opens the door. Uh, yep. and, uh, yeah, Corny's been talking about that before this show even started. He's like, because and I, I vaguely remember him talking about this story once long ago. But he's like, and Corny says, he's like, and everybody you talk to, whoever's there is like, oh, yeah, I gave him this. I gave him that. Everybody gave him something. Oh, he basically took whatever was given to him. The crazy bastard. <laughs> All Sorry, right. I keep looking at the TV. <laughs> You're fine. Mike, you want right, to go ahead then and uh, get this thing rolling then with, uh, since you're the only one of us that actually has something done? <laughs> Less Dags, Les Dags finished his homework. I didn't do mine. I'm about halfway yeah, through. You, you didn't even understand the assignment at first. Well, that's because somebody <laughs> didn't tell me what the assignment was. Initially, it the was assignment was... We were just going to do this. Then, you know, while I'm working at the shoot job, uh, somebody takes a message and says, oh, this is what we're going to do. We're all doing this year in WCW. I'm like, nobody added me on that one, but that's okay. It's okay. Well, you're in the group, so it's It's just assumed you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know what happens when you assume they're digs? You make an ass out of Zaw. Oh, yeah. We'll see that um, now because he's coming down later. Dig it. Everything okay, Mike? Yeah. I, did did I drop off or did you guys? You disappeared for a second, off just a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because now right, I mean, so do you want me to read this off? Yeah. Why don't you do the the match rundown and then uh, we can go from there. Okay. So. Uh... Mike's first show is the July 17th, 1994 Bash at the Beach. Oh, we got no Clash uh, 27. Oh, shoot. I'm on the wrong page. <laughs> I, was, I was reading ahead just like no, I did in high school. There's 25 tabs or something here, so it's understandable. Okay, so we start off with the June 23rd, 1994 Clash. Uh, for those in the arena, there is a dark match between DDP and Johnny B. Bad. 
another dark ma- match between Stars and Stripes and Tex Slasinger and Shanghai Pierce. The proper show opens up with a world tag title match between Cactus Jack and Kevin Sullivan against the Nasties. And then there is a Dean Malenko versus Terry Taylor match, uh, a world TV title match between the living legend Larry Zabisco coming in as the champion against Lord Steven Regal, a U.S. title match with Big Bubba taking on the champions, uh, stunning Steve Austin, and then a unification match of the world heavyweight title, the international heavyweight title between Ric Flair and the Stinger. And I think Mike just dropped off again. I just got a message from him in the group chat that his internet is cutting out. Oh, this is lovely. Well, it's, sadly, it's something I've, I've dealt with quite a bit in podcasting um, and doing it through these things. So it's it's not uncommon for me. I mean, we can talk until he comes on. Um, that's a pretty interesting lineup for a card. Yeah. Now, that's the card that's, that he made. That's the card he made. Okay. Yeah, he did the dark matches and everything. Somebody's going there uh, above and beyond the call of duty on this. Yeah, dig it. Yeah, I, I, I want to hear his why he brought Malenko in uh, so early. That's that's a pretty interesting move. Um, and why Terry Taylor got a TV shot. Like, why was he on TV in 94? <laughs> um, was he even in the company in 94? I think he was. Was I think he he's there? On the list. Was he there booking? That I don't know. Mike is. Sullivan? Yeah, sorry. My internet is acting up. I had to switch to my phone. All You're right, good. Well, We're talking about Terry Taylor. They were talking about scare Terry Taylor, if you will, the Red oh. Rooster, baby. He was. We, we agreed that was it. You there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yep. Yep. You're good. We uh, thought that Terry Taylor was an interesting choice to have on TV. Well, I wanted Malenko to uh, beat somebody fairly quick. Oh, well, that's fair. And, you know, <laughs> and it, and it not, not hurt, you know. Because, I mean, at this point, at this point, Taylor should just be a job guy in 94. Oh, yeah. So we weren't so, going to so. see him slap the cock of the walk on anyone, is what you're saying? No, not at all. <laughs> I, this might be the only non-dark match he has in the entire booking. All right. So we ran down the card. Okay. Why don't you give us your thoughts on this? Okay. Um, well, first thing, I went ahead and kept the the title change with the TV title with Regal beating Zabisco. Uh, there wasn't any point for Zabisco to be an active competitor at this point. So he can go back to announcing and, and be done there. Um, then we have the title unification match. And this is what I was talking about earlier about how they were setting up booking for Hogan to come in. They unified these titles because 
there couldn't be more than one world champion with Hogan coming in. You couldn't have the WCW world heavyweight champion and the international heavyweight champion. He, he didn't. Well, to he would be not. fair, it was a stupid idea. <laughs> it was. Absolutely, yes. it was. Like, that was one of the things he said was, this has to be done. So they unified the belts. So in, uh, in strictly fan service to myself, I put the four horsemen back together here with uh, Tully coming out with Flair. Um, and he tries to interfere in the match. Bobby Eaton, who uh, in a backstage interview, Flair promised a surprise first thing. That's Blanchard. And they show Eaton stopping by Sting's locker room and, and saying, you know, I've got your back, whatever this is. So Eaton comes out and neutralizes Blanchard. And then as we're getting to the end of the match, Eaton trips Sting. Flair gets the roll up and pinfall. And you have uh, Arn come out and you've got Arn, Tully, Rick, and Bobby Eaton, who should have been a horseman along with Stan Lane in 1988. That's a whole other story. <laughs> uh, so 88 or 89. It was 88. It was right, right after. Uh, well, I think it was, it was after Arn and Tully left. Because this Flair was on the booking committee. Well, but I thought before that they had pitched the idea of them replacing Tully and Arn. Just like sliding into that spot. It was after Arn and Tully were gone that day, because the way Corny tells it, it's basically they were dicking. Ar- Jim Hurd was dicking around the Midnights, and he, and Jim was just going to go and be an announcer, and then I think Woman was going to be the manager, and it was going to be Flair. I think Arn was back at this point too. I think it was going to be Flair, Arn, and the Midnights. That was later, but I, if I remember right, before they did the whole, uh, what was it Yamada Corporation? JTEX. JTEX and whatever it was. Well, now with, uh, with Matsuda and Flair, JTEX was Gary Hart's thing, right? I think, yes. weren't they intertwined at one point? Uh, they might have had a merger. I thought it was the Yamada Corporation was what it was when it was Barry and Kendall and Flair and Matsuda. And yes, I thought and, and at that point there was talk then of doing Flair, Barry, and the Midnights as a version of the Horsemen. And then again, yes, there was the 89 talk um, with, with when Flair was in charge and had the book that they were going to do that and then heard was heard and ruined things like he just had a tendency the to do. The only explanation you need. <laughs> Herd was heard, and heard rhymes with turd, which is what he was. He was terrible. So, you have the horsemen now uh, back together, attacking Sting in the ring. Harlem Heat and Ron Simmons come out, save Sting, and uh, that's going to start our build to war games in a few months. I like that. And so, at this point, Sting's been in the company, what, six years? He came in in 88, or late 87. Late 87. So, maybe almost seven. So, 
he's been in the company seven years almost. He's still, he's a big name, but he's also a bit of a veteran at this point where he doesn't have to be in the title picture all the time to still matter to the company. And so I'm going to keep him around the main event scene, but not be a guy that we focus on over the next year or so. We'll use him at times to help build up new talent. And we're going to find other things for him to do to keep him as a significant player. He's just not going to be the focus. Okay. Uh, Jump into Bash at the Beach now. Yes, I think that covers that card. Okay, so we move on to uh, the July 17th Bash at the Beach. Uh, For those in the audience, the first lurk match is the Eliminators taking on Brian Christopher and Lance Storm. So there's three guys that were in USWA at the time. Um, And then we also have Los Gringos Locos versus Chris Jericho and Marty Jannetty Gen- and a Chris Jericho wet dream match. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I didn't even think about that when I put it together. That's hilarious. <laughs> the, the proper pay-per-view starts with a world TV title match between Lord Steven Regal and Johnny B. Bad. Then it follows up with a grudge match between Vader and John Tenta with guest referee Big Bubba. Damn, that's three of the best big men workers of all time. Um, The next match on the card is Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, and beautiful Bobby Eaton versus Harlem Heat and Ron Ron Simmons. Then we get a Texas bull rope match between Terry Funk and Dustin Rhodes. Uh, I don't know if Dustin sucks eggs like Dusty. U.S. title match, (laughs) Steve Austin versus Ricky Steamboat. World tag team title match, Pretty Wonderful versus Cactus Jack and Kevin Sullivan. And a world heavyweight title match between Ric Flair and the Stinger. Okay. So the dark matches here are important because this show is where we're starting to bring in fresh talent. Uh, one thing that I wanted to do for sure was to start the cruiserweight division right away. That was one of the best things that Bischoff ever did was bringing in the talent he brought in for that division and giving them time every week on Nitro. Uh, And so I wanted to go ahead and get a jump start on that with a little bit different talent. So uh, Brian Christopher was one that that I really thought he's going to be a short-term guy because I don't think he's 22 at this point. So he is not mature enough, I don't think, to to last long-term outside of Memphis yet. But he also was probably reaching a point where he needed to get out of his dad's shadow for a little while. Yeah, and so I want to bring- chime in here quick, if you don't mind. No, I feel do. like I feel like Brian Christopher being in a promotion that his dad isn't involved with would actually be good for him. Yeah. I, I, I think that, you know, giving him a chance to spread his wings was was something he could have used at that point. I'm not sure he could have handled it well enough and handled himself well enough, but you know, I, I could be wrong in that. If he, if he comes into WCW at this point and gets the push, I give him initially, maybe, maybe uh, circumstances are different for him. Who knows? Um, 
you know, I rated ECW a little bit, Memphis a little bit, Smoky Mountain a little bit. Janetti was a guy who wasn't really doing anything around this time. Maybe maybe some shots for ECW. There was like a two-year period where he was just kind of off the radar. No, he was doing booger uh, sugar. Yeah. I, I, I didn't really use him for very long, but being a, an established name and a vet and somebody that, that these younger guys just being in the ring with will help accelerate some of their development. When did Marty and the kid win the tag belts? Yeah, wasn't that in 94? Let me see. Because I, I kind of went through and checked um, to not throw off. I didn't want too many butterfly effects going on here. So uh, he he basically was gone. They won the title uh, January 10th. They lost them seven days later. Okay. okay, so he he was he was basically gone after WrestleMania did. Okay, because you had the whole uh, Charles Austin lawsuit, and the, you know that, that, yes. that trial and yeah. finish and everything. And so now this is this is according to Wikipedia, so they may have their dates off, but it said he was pretty much gone until early '95 when he showed up in ECW. And so that's basically what I used him in that window, essentially. Ah. And I didn't do anything else with him. I just, it was like, okay. And and maybe they wouldn't have touched him because of the lawsuit at that point. I don't know. But. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we got Regal and Johnny B. Bad. Uh, Johnny B. Bad had a lot of the titles. And. The guy was over. You can't deny that he was over with the crowd. But I don't think he had to have title reigns like he had necessarily. Uh, so he gets Can we shot. stop for a second and talk about yeah. the fact that he was only over as Johnny B. Bad? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Because that's that's all Dusty had him learn was how to be Johnny B. Bad. Because he was awful as the wild man. And I yeah. get he had the mild man. but he he was never the same guy after Johnny B. Bad. No. And Sable took all his his heat. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. But a, a lot of that comes back to how he was trained. He wasn't he wasn't trained to to do anything other than be Johnny B. Bad. That was the focus. That's what Dusty wanted. And it worked. Yeah. You've got to give credit where credit's due. It was a great idea and it worked with the crowd. But there just wasn't enough there once that gimmick was gone. And nowadays you couldn't have an Italian guy play a black guy. Yeah, so. I, I, I I swear <laughs> to God, until like a year or so ago when that tweet was out there, I... Swear to God, I thought that he was African-American. I, I remember reading it a while back, but but yeah, I mean, there was so much of that, though. In the 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, I mean, Chief J. Strongbow, right? He, said, he was a very and he wasn't. Merrow so, says, Merrow says, uh, I was a little tan back then. A little tan? Yeah. 
Yeah, like Taz was a little. Hulk tan. Hogan must have been a little tan too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, I went ahead and kept the two title changes. Like I said, the Regal. And, oh, no! This is the tag titles with uh, pretty wonderful taking the belts off of Cactus and Sullivan. Um, I think pretty wonderful was kind of an underrated tag team. I love pretty wonderful. Yes. Uh, I really think that there should have been a point, and I, I cover this in one of the shows later on. There should have been a point in time where uh, the four horsemen were Flair, Arn, and pretty wonderful. I think that that grouping would have fit and having Roma as the fourth guy in the group and part of a tag team, he would not have been looked down upon like he was when they had him join with just Arn and Flair. I think it changes perception something, something like that. I don't hate it. But I didn't go that route, obviously. (laughs) Even though I thought, yeah, I didn't do that here. No, you brought in the Reverend Tully back. I I had to. We got heard cheated us out of Tully coming back with Arn. They were close on a deal in '93. They were close on a deal two months before this at Slamboree '94. He almost came back then. So spoiler yeah, alert: I, I do the same thing. <laughs> that was it. Was it was strictly for me? Tully is my second favorite wrestler of all time, behind Flair. I had to br- I had to bring him back, and I had to get that last Horseman run. So, um, I went ahead and, and I changed a little bit of the timeline here and had uh, Steamboat beat Austin for the title here instead of at the next clash because the next clash is when Steamboat gets hurt and retires. And I wanted to give him at least a month run with the belt here. So, well, I switched that up a little. He got hurt. Does that, that's the match he got hurt in where he won the title? Yeah, he won the title at Clash 28. Because I remember, I just remember like the pay-per-view is when it got announced, but it probably was like news elsewhere before that, but I wasn't reading anything. His official last match was in September. And then he doesn't wrestle again after that. Yeah, because that's why I was kind of a house show. So uh, I didn't know when the injury actually occurred as just. uh... Well, because I, I believe it's at fall brawl. 94 where Austin's awarded the belt and then hacksaw fucking hacksaw. Comes in. I love hacksaw, but I was like hacksaw beat Steve Austin. Uh... And the only reason I know it was September is because me and Brando were having a side conversation and we were trying to figure out when Steamboat's last show was. And I combed through all of 1994's results for WCW on history of WWE. Yeah. So, uh, the match at at clash 28 is where Steamboat gets hurt. And so he worked somewhere that was, Flash 28 was August 24th, and so Fall Brawl was September 18th. So we're talking three and a half weeks later. He couldn't, he couldn't go. And so they hand, they hand Austin the belt. They have the surprise challenger. It's Duggan. Duggan comes out and beats Austin for the belt. 
I, and that's the end of Austin, pretty much. Yeah. So I went ahead and I moved that, gave gave Ricky the title here, let him have it for a month. Uh, so the Dustin Rhodes, Terry Funk, Bull Rope match, that's to end Dustin's feud with the stud stable. I know that was the the meat of what he did basically through the end of 94, if I, if I remember right. Wasn't that the War Games match that year? It was. Wasn't that the one with Dusty, baby? Yes. Which Dusty, was come back. My son, I need my... Completely unnecessary. So I went ahead and I wanted to get Dustin out of that feud because I have bigger plans for Dustin. Yeah. Uh, so Vader, to me, Vader was the hardest guy to do something with. Because, you know, once Hogan comes in, the writing's kind of on the wall for Vader. Yeah, he gets a couple of matches in the main event here, whatever. There's the match where, uh, was it a bull rope match between Hogan and Vader? And Hogan carries Flair around to the four corners to, to beat Vader. Strap match. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. Again, and, and Flair was in drag as an old lady. What? Yeah, this, yes, to hide his identity. This was the wait a second. Wasn't it the uncensored? Wasn't it uncensored? Yes. Why was he hiding his identity? Because wasn't that supposed to be? It's 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 not sponsored by WCW. Remember that crap? It's not a WCW show. It's yeah. But this this is the kind of book we got. Once Hogan came in, things had to be catered a certain way. And so Vader, to me, he was hard to book throughout this without giving him a run with the title at some point, And I didn't want to do that. So I had to kind of work, work around here. So I thought John Tenda underrated big man. Yeah. You look at some of the stuff he did in Japan, the guy could work. He just didn't get he the could move. Yeah. He could move when he was in Japan. It's like, I mean, even his WWF stuff, his stuff is better than you look at, go back and look at it. It's better than, what you thought, but uh, it's better if you remember. It's better than I we mean, remembered it, but that feud with Money Inc. was a solid feud for '92. Their stuff with LOD, even though Animal was dealing with back issues, it was still good. I mean, that was a a three team tag division that gets overlooked, but I mean, for the time period, they held their own. Yeah, and it was it wasn't like Uncle Fred was carrying the team. It was it was Tenta. So I went with the match here. I uh, I put Bubba as the referee, you know, as he's the only guy that could maintain order between two guys the size of Vader and John Tenta. And he's John Tenta this entire run. He is not Shark. He is not Avalanche. He's not any of this stupid bullshit that they did with him. Uh, he's, he's just who he is, and he gets a chance to actually work some. Um, but I so mean, the yeah. finish of this finish of this match, Vader wins. Tenta claims he gets his shoulder up, and Bubba missed it because Bubba's not a referee. And this starts a feud between Bubba and Tenta. Solid mid card feud you can work with on your sound Saturday night. That those two guys can main event be the, the start the feature match in in the main event or uh, worldwide or something like that. And you can work with that. Uh, 
Okay, so then you've got Sting versus Flair. Sting gets a rematch after they unify the titles. I don't remember how much of that WCW did at the time, but I tried to give former champions another pay-per-view or a clash to get their rematch in just because I feel that that's necessary because they weren't doing enough star versus star matches on regular TV at that time. It wasn't until you got the Monday night war era where you really had those bigger matches on free TV. Yeah. Cause it was always, you got a, you had one feature match and everything else was job guys. Right. And so I tried to make sure that former champs, you know, if you lost your belt next show, you're getting your opportunity on a big stage. We're not just immediately shifting away because that was one thing. Uh, like when Flair won the title from Steamboat in 89. Instantly, it's Flair Funk and Steamboat shunted down the card to U.S. title matches with Luke. What? Hello? We can hear you. Who's there? What? What? It's what? Jason, Mike, and Who's Albert. talking? How come nobody's saying anything? Can you hear us? <coughs> hey, hello. You okay? So we are joined by our guest. I don't know if he can hear us, though. <laughs> Plug in your headphones, jackass. Chris, are you there? This has officially become a wrestling Star Wars episode. <laughs> well, while we're waiting for him to, to get here, let's go ahead and jump to <laughs> Flash 28. All right, let me click on that tab. Okay, so the August 24th Clash dark match is Eddie Guerrero versus Alex Wright. Uh, the second dark match is Slater and Buckhouse Bunk uh, versus the Fantastics. Nice. Um, the proper show starts with the Nasty Boys versus the Tongan Death Squad. U.S. title match, Ricky Steamboat versus Stunning Steve Austin. Big Bubba and Cactus Jack versus Kevin Sullivan and John Tenta. Tully Blanchard versus Dustin Rhodes. And then we follow up with Ric Flair with Arn Anderson versus Booker T with Stevie Ray in the main event. Okay, so Eddie Guerrero versus Alex Wright. Oh, 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 somebody's here. Yeah. Motherfucker, he's got two windows open like I did earlier. You there, Chrissy? He's probably in his car. Sounds like it. It sounds like he's that or he's standing outside at the side of a highway. Chris, are you there? I'll just talk and he'll interrupt here in a minute. That's usually how things go. <laughs> Typical Chrissy. <laughs> okay, so Eddie Guerrero and Alex Wright is actually a first-round match in the Cruiserweight Tournament. So I'm going to jump back to that real quick. Uh, the tournament starts on uh, WCW Saturday night on August 20th with Chris Jericho versus Lance Storm. Jericho wins that matchup. The next day on Pro, we have Brad Armstrong versus Brian Christopher. 
Christopher going over. Oh, there he is. Yeah, that's some, what's going on here. I don't know. You got two other windows open. Yeah, good. Well, they are talking now. <laughs> I'm cleaning it up. Hold on. Yeah, it, that, hey. that, was a, that was my fault. Okay, so we're joined with our guest, the Paul Lynn of Pro Wrestling Podcast, Chris Zaha. What's up? How are you doing? What's going on, big man? I just said, well, what were you talking? I heard you say Brian Christopher. What are you talking about? Well, we're I'm going through the booking of my cruiserweight tournament for '94 WCW. Oh, come on! You had you put that much thought into this? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I've got dark matches. <laughs> <laughs> of OCD with this kind of stuff is off the charts. All right, well, I, I, I apologize. I'm late to the party. All right, I'm, I'm all in. I'm ready. No, 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 no. This is WCW. <laughs> yeah, nice. Okay, so then we have the Guerrero versus Eddie Guerrero versus Alex Wright match here at the Clash, where Guerrero wins. And on Saturday night, on August 28th, we have Art Barr versus Marty Jannetty, with Barr being victorious. Uh, semifinal round, we have Eddie Guerrero versus Brian Christopher. Christopher goes over on Saturday night, uh, September 3rd. And the following week on Saturday night, we have Jericho over Art Barr to set up our finals at Fall Brawl of Brian Christopher versus Chris Jericho. So now we can jump back to the clash. Hold on uh, real quick. Sure. Since you mentioned Eddie was wrestling Brian Christopher, did you ever hear the story about when Eddie was on his rehab tour and he was working his way back to WWE after getting out of rehab? Brian Christopher and him were backstage at a show and Brian Christopher asked if he had any drugs on him. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, that just seems... Like uh, exactly what you would expect. <laughs> Imagine that. Brian Christopher asked him if he had drugs. That's really crazy. Did Eddie snap at him? Cause I get, I, Eddie's kind of a hothead. I would go through drugs, I say. I would love to have seen if Eddie went off on him. Oh, God. That's terrible. Yeah. But but completely uh, believable and in character, I would say. Oh, for sure, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So, well, what happens Go next? When, when, okay. When does uh, Vader come in and start squashing all the cruiserweights? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what you needed to be doing. See, Herrick, you were trying to figure out what to do with Vader. Zaha comes in and gives you the solution. <laughs> yeah, you know, I could have done the Kevin Nash and the X Division thing, I guess, but I didn't. I didn't think about that. It's a one-sided <laughs> ring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have Cactus and Bubba uh, teaming up here together because of their shared issues with Sullivan and Tinta. Uh, Tongan Death Squad, that's the name I gave to Ming and the Barbarian instead of the Faces of Fear. Uh, had Sullivan bring them in as kind of reinforcements to to back him and uh, Tenta up, and, and we we fought. I went ahead with the Dungeon of Doom name just because I couldn't think of anything necessarily better, which shows a lack of creativity on my point or on my part. I understand because that's well, not you already you already put way more into this than we <laughs> uh, 
But but uh, after Cactus and Sullivan lose the titles, we get a Cactus face turn, and he starts moving up the card. Because he's another one of the guys that was underutilized and should have been a bigger star there before leaving and having to go elsewhere to become a star. Yeah. Much like half the roster here. Yeah. <laughs> I think everybody that. Uh, so Booker T gets that coveted uh, spot we talked about earlier of main eventing a clash against the world champion kind of out of nowhere. He and Flair would have had a good match, I'm sure. And uh, Flair wins after hitting a low blow and grabbing a handful of tights. Sting and Ron Simmons hit the ring. Uh, Flair and Anderson bail out, meet Eaton and Blanchard at the top of the ramp, and you've got your two teams for war games facing off here. Wow. Wait, so wait. It's Sting, Ron Simmons, and then who is it? Booker TV Ray? Yep. Jesus. Against the horsemen or whatever we're going to call them, or whatever you're yes. going to call them? No, they are the horsemen. It's Flair, Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson, and Bobby Eaton. Holy balls. Wow. Right. Solid Jeez. lineup. Holy shit, man. Zaha approves. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Zaha approves. I'm going to go and I'm going to get my time machine and go to Bischoff's house and say, stay home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Bischoff's house and tear up any copies of Hulk Hogan's phone number he has. Like I thought I had Hogan's number anywhere somewhere. I'm like, no, you don't have it. Don't worry about it. You don't need to nope. call him. He didn't have it anyways. He got it from Flair. Yeah, go true. back further Better. in time. He sent Flair to go talk to him. Go back further in time and buy up as many uh, sets of Ninja Star Wars as you can. <laughs> Bischoff becomes independently wealthy and never ends up there. How about that? That's great. Okay, real quick conspiracy theory. Bischoff's entire idea to defeat Vince and put Vince out of business. It was a giant revenge plot on behalf of Vern. Oh, it was probably Vern's idea, just like the NWO and the UFC. <laughs> right, Chrissy? Right, Greg? We're going to do Hogan and Andre first on CBS. Yeah, oh, that's it. You make two titles. You got the IWA, then you got the NWA. Well, he just took that and he made it into the NWO. I think that, uh, I don't know, the way Eric Bischoff talks about Vern, like he really, really, really likes Vern. Yeah. So I don't, I mean, that's not the worst conspiracy theory I've heard. I actually, oh, I was just being I, stupid. No, I don't think I could see him being like, I'm going to put you out of business. And by the way, you also put my grandpappy Vern out of business. I didn't fucking forget that. Either, Vince. I'd say it's I, as plausible as my Kevin Von Erich serial killer theory. Gosh, you got to stop. You got to stop bringing that up. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I did not kill Carrie. I did not kill Mike. I did not kill Fritz. I did not kill. Oh, uh, gosh. Uh, Jack Jr. When I, <laughs> oh, fuck. Dude, I think. Uh, I, I think Bischoff is, I, I know we're going off on a tangent here. Big surprise. Uh, Bischoff is literally probably the best thing to happen to WCW. Cause I will tell you, no matter what anybody says, they can all say, ah, eh, he overspent. He did this. He did that. WCW is going away. No matter what, no matter what, there's no he, fucking he, still be running now. 
we 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 talked about this earlier, and to an extent, I disagree. Okay, go on. Come okay, on. to catch you up here, if Hogan doesn't come in, I'm not sure that Turner gives them the time for Nitro. They strictly stay on with Saturday night with Pro with main event worldwide. They stick with those shows. So when Jamie Kellner is in charge, he's not looking at five hours of wrestling in prime time on his two networks. They are a smaller operation. They don't have the manufactured depth on their books to make them look terrible. And they're not as visible an issue for him to want to eliminate. All right, I'm going to have to look into this. I still think that <laughs> if they bring uh, because I have a feeling, because I know Mike, you and I talked about this a few days ago. I think Savage was going to come in eventually. Yes. Yeah, we, we talked about that because he still wanted to run. I think if they had had Savage and then Luger came in, because Luger would have come in too at some point. Right. I think at some point they would have been in a position with star power that they could have went to the Monday nights, even without Hogan. It's possible. It's possible. But I'm not sure that it becomes the same kind of focus. I understand. I understand. But, but, but let me talk about something here. Sure. Now, I've only seen clips of this. So I, I admit that I'm not an avid watcher. But I've seen clips of Impact Wrestling. What in the fuck is that? My God. It's quieter than a funeral in there. I'm like, is anybody going to hear any of the shit? I, they, they just sit there and do nothing. I saw a promo with Bobby Fish where you could you could hear a pin drop three states away. <laughs> What's going on here? This is terrible. And why am I echoing? Jason, what the fuck are you doing over there, man? I, I don't know. Let's get Scott Cornish. He'll handle this. <laughs> Where's Jay? Somebody called Jace Nakarado on the... Uh, on his Canadian telephone. Freak out, freak out, freak out. Yeah, dig it. Yeah, let me tell you something. So, uh, yeah, the macho man is going to come in. Yeah, dig it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dig it. Yeah. Yeah. Coming in there. Yeah. Coming in, coming in, coming in there, coming at you. Yeah, dig it. Yeah. You're going to get in here so, uh, with your grandstanding and your hot dogging because we all know you like to eat hot dogs. Yeah, dig it. Yeah. You should, you should get on the 605 when it comes out four Aprils from now. <laughs> that soon? That yeah. soon? That soon? It's not going to come out that soon. Oh, no. Yeah. No, well, in 94, one place yeah. Macho wasn't coming in was Elizabeth. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that as a diehard Randy Savage fan. Oh, I got to Gotta, yeah, yeah, gotta go deep in me on that. And yeah, yeah, gotta go blow the belt with that. Yeah. He wasn't going yeah. deep either. Oh. <laughs> okay, we gotta oh, move. I see how uh, you're here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Macho Man's gonna leave now. Yeah. But poor Michael's like, I booked 77 weeks worth of TV. <laughs> We're talking about that's, that's, probably, that's probably low. It was probably more like 83. Yeah, close it. Nice. <laughs> All right. Okay. Moving on to Fall Brawl. <laughs> so when does Greg Gagne come in and win the title? <laughs> I, think, 
I flipped a coin and Greg unfortunately lost the coin toss. <laughs> it did not get it was very close. I oh, went Oh man. I went with George Goulas instead. George Goulas. <laughs> <laughs> You know that that reminds me of like uh, when uh, Artie Lang was on Letterman. He was promoting uh, Beer League. Remember that movie? And uh, oh, yeah. he's promoting I Beer remember League. That. And he goes to Letterman. People keep asking me uh, why is Ralph Macchio in the movie, and I tell him, "Well, it's because Scott Bio wasn't available." <laughs> <laughs> or it was either that, or he said something like he had a better audition than Scott Bio. It was one of those two things. Uh, poor, poor Jason's like, all right, now back to Fall Brawl 94, guy. <laughs> oh, fuck that. Let's go off the rails. <laughs> so, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Zauha. Did you even, did you even, did you even come up with anything for this? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. If he would have come in with any, <laughs> I would have just been floored. I, I, I could like, I could kind of like just. So, you know how Russo would say that, bro, would, bro, 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 bro. That's what he would say. He would but come what? up with, he would come up with ideas, and then Vince would, Vince McMahon would just add like this little something. Extra, to make it better. You mean That's like everything? <laughs> okay. Really, really. How many women have you uh, had to pay off this week, Vince? <laughs> A lot. <laughs> okay, so real quick, I'm supposed to chime in on behalf of Brando because his phone's at 12% and he's on a date with his wife. Uh, I'm, I'm supposed to let you know, Chris, that um, Brandon wants to tell you that the Bulls can lick pee-pee and his butthole. Oh, okay. So I actually... <laughs> that's, so, that's the best response. <laughs> so, so the Bulls lost today, but... Dying! Yeah, but, but I'm on... Uh, I'm actually talking to the commissioner to see if we get it overturned. Because they only lost by two. Uh, well, you need to... You need to uh... You need to appeal this to the top. Go all the way to President Jack Tunney. Well, I think maybe we could just if they just if they just give us one point and we'll split the difference, we'll call it a tie. Can you can you call Georgia and ask them if they can find you eleven thousand seven hundred and eighty points? Well, there's two listeners gone. Okay, so we need to stop running down the full card. I don't think we have time for that. Let's just hit the highlights on this stuff. All right, hit the highlights. Yeah, come on. I got to go to Wisconsin tomorrow. All right, so we've got uh, Stephen Regal winning the TV title against Jean-Paul Levesque. Ah. Regal wins the Regal stretch, but they shake hands afterwards. That plants the seeds for the beginning of the Blue Bloods. Uh, Cruiserweight title tournament final Brian Christopher versus Chris Jericho Uh, As we talked about before This is the chance to kind of spread his wings And be outside of Lawler's shadow Um, Stars and Stripes lose 
against Pretty Wonderful here in the tag title match. I'm skipping the one-month reign that Stars and Stripes had here. There was no point to give them the belts for a month and drop them right back to Pretty Wonderful. Right. That's right. Pretty Wonderful was a much better team. Oh, hell yeah. Bagwell yeah. did not need a fourth Rookie of the Year award that bad that they had to give him. <laughs> so, so we skip that. Uh, we've got the number one contender fatal four-way elimination match between Terry Funk, Vader, Cactus Jack, and Dustin Rhodes. Uh, Funk is eliminated by Cactus. Cactus eliminated by Vader. And uh, Vader is then distracted by Cactus. Dustin gets him with a roll-up, and Dustin's your new number one contender. Uh, then we've got the War Games match. Rick Arn Tully and Bobby Eaton versus Sting, Ron Simmons, and Harlem Heat. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, or Sting win. Eaton Eaton submits to the Scorpion Deathlock because he can he can take that loss and that's fine. We put the faces over. Everybody yeah. goes so happy. Uh, one thing I overlooked: yes. Dean Malenko versus Johnny B. Bad for the number one contender for the world TV title. Malenko wins here, and it kind of starts pushing him around, uh, pushing him up the card. And then we've got Pillman versus. Austin for the uh, vacant U.S. title with Pil- or with Steamboat being hurt and having to give up the belt. Uh, Pillman wins here. He he needed something to do. Yeah. And Austin, there's bigger plans for Austin going forward, so it's okay for him to, to lose here. Yeah. I like it. Okay. So Clash of the Champions. Uh, or no, I'm sorry. Halloween Havoc. Uh, Regal versus Malenko for the TV title. Malenko wins at the crossface chicken wing. Wow. This, this is three straight matches that Malenko's had either on a uh, clash or a pay-per-view. And he's won each of them with a different submission hold. Oh, that's great. Right? I love it. Playing into the man of a thousand holds and really pushing his superiority on the map and in the ring versus everybody else. I love it. I love it. Uh, We've got uh, a casket match between Cactus Jack and Vader uh, based off of Cactus costing Vader the number one contender match at Fall Brawl. We have Pretty Wonderful versus Harlem Heat for the tag titles. Harlem Heat wins the belts here because it's time to give them a push as a big face act because easily the crowd would have been behind them. Everything that Booker T could do. Oh, yeah. Uh, Brian Christopher uh, retains against Jericho with Cruiserweight title match. Austin gets a a rematch with Pillman for the U.S. title, and Pillman keeps the belt. Now, uh, coming out of Fall Brawl, I've got Sting and Ron Simmons working together as a tag team to give them both something to do, keep them in the upper card, and basically keep staying away from the title. All right. Yep. So, like main, event, main event is Flair versus 45-minute limit draw. Wait, Flair versus who? Sorry, Mike. Can I explain that? Yep. Justin Rhodes. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's great. I'm all in. Horsemen <laughs> come out to attack Dustin, Sting, Ron Simmons, and Dusty 
come out. Yep. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. Get his moment in the Zaha. Zaha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take my money now. Take my money now. I'm Zaha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah fuck yeah, man. That sounds like <laughs> so. Uh, Thirteen days after this, on WCW Saturday night, November fifth, Randy Savage debuts. Oh my god, this is already amazing. He comes out and says Flair ran away from him in WWF, but he didn't run far enough. Oh, my God. The next week on Saturday night, the Horsemen attack Savage, leading to Savage being given a match against Arn Anderson at Clash 29. If Savage wins, he gets a match against Flair for the title at Stargate. Yeah, yeah. Coming for you, Ric Flair. You didn't run fast enough, yeah. <laughs> any any thoughts, comments, critiques anywhere here? How many cranks is this on the Javersky scare? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but but Zaha Zaha Zaha's over there. Uh, uh, he's a uh, he's a uh, he's a uh, doing the Javersky thing. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So is, is Savage going to be aligned with all the other baby faces? So you got like Savage, Sting, Ron Simmons, and uh, Dustin, kind of as like a, you know, not necessarily a faction per se, but you know, yes, the new much. dudes with attitudes. I was just going to say the new dudes with attitudes. Yeah, fuck yeah, man. <laughs> they uh, they got to go back to using that name before before Michaels and Diesel could co-opt it a couple years later. Right. I have to say that's one thing that I I really miss from wrestling in those days, where you would have baby faces that would come out to save one another, even if they had no actual allegiance or alignment with each other. Yeah, or at least he's a job guy who's the elite versus punk. What's that? What did you say? I said I saw you in AEW yourself. that's called the elite when they're going against CM Punk in the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> Bam. <laughs> oh, La- Larry, the heel dog, you know, they had to fight him. Oh, 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 oh. Prissy Prancy, all oh, Prissy Prancy there. Oh, I, I tried to save the dog and uh, bullshit. <laughs> I have a feeling that all those guys are probably going to be gone. I got a feeling all those guys are going to be back. Including Punk? Yeah. I mean, they just showed him on their TV on Tuesday night. Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't watched AEW in like a year, so I don't give a shit who they get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't watch anything. And I don't, I don't, and honestly, I watched, the last WWE show I watched was WrestleMania. Like, all I do is watch clips now. I just don't have time. Like, to commit three hours a goddamn week to just watch Raw. I'm like, this is stupid. And then you have two more hours of SmackDown. How long is NXT? Is that an hour or two hours? It's two hours. So two hours of that. Two hours of uh, Dynamite. Hour of Rampage. Yeah, no, give me a fucking... Are you serious? No. That's way too <laughs> Then two hours... I watched the clips, too, on YouTube, so you're not alone. You know, two hey, hours well, of- I'll tell you this. I was in full clip mode until uh, Triple H took over the booking here, and uh, now I fast back to fast forwarding through the show uh, and skipping the shit that I don't like. Yeah, 
I, I don't know. I, what's his name? Uh, Aaron Stevens, the what Damian Sandow, whatever the hell his name is. Yeah. So he went on Twitter, and not that I give a shit what he says, but he did say, "Hey, you know, I, you know, he's another fucking douchebag." He's like, uh, "I noticed, uh, you know, crowds aren't as into the shows as much anymore." You, are they afraid to react because maybe they'll like uh, offend somebody or something? I'm like, well, no, because you fucking people, all of you assholes, put out a fucking substandard product that looks like shit. So they fucking react accordingly. With well, nothing. he does work for the NWA, so you're right. He does put on a substandard show. Dude, I watch some of that shit. And I listen, I fucking, I've been watching wrestling longer than you motherfuckers have been alive. I fucking love wrestling. But what the fuck? I mean, some of this stuff is like community theater. Fucking Jordan Grace doing a fucking... <laughs> Uh, contract signing with uh, Masha Slamovich, whatever her name is, and they're like, you know, talking back and forth. The crowd is fucking saying nothing. I'm like, guys, you could you could react. It's not well. It's, it's impact. It's not as good as your buddy Javorski likes to crank it off to. Yeah, yeah is he okay? What's wrong? With, I gotta talk to him. What's wrong with that guy? No, you don't. You, it would be much better if you don't. It'd be much better if none of us did. Uh, he's got some problems. I did, and listen, I want to support Earlier him. today, he tried to say that Kiss was better than Led Zeppelin. That tells you all you need to know. He didn't say that. The fuck he didn't. There's a post. With, who? It wasn't it you, Dags. You posted the picture there. Or was it Brando? It was, it was Brando. Brando posted a picture of a t-shirt of uh, Kiss. And he says, uh, he says, can't believe uh, something about ICP. And uh, he says, and then fucking uh, Javorski there, that moron comes back. Ooh, I only like good music, like Kiss, not Led Zeppelin. Da, da, da. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna kick that little Pollock in the balls too. <laughs> that um, I remember he's like, um, I hear what it was. We were talking about something. It wasn't political, nothing like that. But it, we were talking about something. He's like, well, I don't follow trends. You know, I don't follow the crowd. I'm like, motherfucker, you're a fan of the quote unquote biggest band in the world. Get the fuck out of here, man. Your bullshit. I don't follow crowds. Fuck you, Javorski. Nah, I like Steve. For the record, I love For kids. the record, he, you're <laughs> right, you're right. No, 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 no. No, he's right. He doesn't follow crowds. He watches Impact Wrestling. They don't have any crowds. Oh, that's true. I, 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 Steve's, I like Steve. I, I, I love I love Kiss's hits. Kiss's hits are fucking great. They're not yeah. Zeppelin, but I mean, yeah. you know, you like what you fucking, like. For him to fucking say, oh, it's better than Led Zeppelin, fuck you. And Albert's pretty fired up. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> you got me wound up. You got me wound up there. So how? Got me all wound up, don't you? I gotta go. I gotta open up a whole case of the whoop ass. Oh, I, what? I, what? I thought you, I thought you were being Ron Fuller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's usually mystery impression with Albert. Yeah, I'm like, wait, are you? I'm like, are you Steve Austin or Ron Fuller? <laughs> He's Ron Fullis. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Go. No, I can't do a Ron Fuller. I don't think so. He's always talking about his horse lightning. Oh my! I all got lightning all saddled up here, and I don't know. I liked. I like. I actually like the stunt cast. I mean, I could tell he was fucking full of shit most of the time. But it's wrestling. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Like well. I remember when I booked Andre the Giant told me his granddad was nine feet tall. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what he fucking said. He told me uh, that his granddaddy was nine feet. Yeah. 
Yeah. Andre's like, what did you do? Oh, you started reading, you started reading Andre's book? (laughs) Right, Pat LaPrade and uh, Bertrand Hubert? That's a cheap point. Have you read that book? Why, are you guys friends with him or something? Have you read Andre's book? It's fucking awesome. I'm re- I've been reading it. I'm reading it right now, actually. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, that's why I brought it, brought that up, because I just saw, got to the part where like, uh, he's talking to uh, Andre's nephew, who actually went back to Bulgaria, where yeah. uh, his grandfather was alive at still. And, and, and I think it was the grandmother, actually, that was the tall one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, yeah. His, his book is great, and Mad Dog Michonne's book is fucking badass. It's so fucking good. Okay, noted. I'm gonna have to buy that one then too. Yeah, man. And have you guys read the Nitro book or no? No. no. Oh my god, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> While we're it's almost books. like you're a WCW mark or something. You gotta read the fucking Nitro book. I'm telling you. I am telling you, you gotta read the Nitro book. It's phenomenal. It's fucking. It's what is probably the best wrestling book I've ever read. It's so, and it's not just like the usual suspects. Like they talk to people that actually work for TBS. They don't just go up to fucking Nash and say, "Hey, I like your power bomb." You know what I mean? They actually ask fucking good questions. It's great. Oh gosh, did I, did I, did I ask him about cats? Yeah, uh, yeah. They have Kevin Von Erich in there. They have, and they actually talked to Carrie's ghost. Don't read the Herb Abrams book. Oh, it, did that actually come out? It's been out for a year, and I'm still reading it a year later. Is it any good or not? I'm guessing that's a no. There's about three chapters about Herb, and then the rest of the book is running down Every taping of the pow- of the Fury Hour. Why, why the fuck would you buy the that? The Fury Hour? Is that what they called his show? Yeah, that was their show, The Fury Hour. The Fury I, Hour. I, I just I thought guess. it was the UWF. The no, Fury Hour. No, Fury. That was the name of it. Yes. What the fuck? I know the name is Fury Hour. Yeah, I don't know why the fuck you even bought that shit. Whoa! The world is turning! Herb Abrams. I just what? remember that clip from the ESPN Classics. Whoa, the world's turning! Who the hell said that? That was Dr. Death's, like, trademark. Dr. Death, oh, yeah. Yeah, Dr. Death was awesome, but he wasn't great on the mic, but that's fine. He made up for it with suplexes. You there, Mike? I love the, uh, I love the, uh, the Doc Gallo story about, uh, fucking, uh, Oh, Gordy. Terry Gordy's son going off. <laughs> Fuck Dr. Dan. That's <laughs> to fucking uh, Johnny Ace. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> I realistically, honestly, between the two, Gordy was better. Don't you think? Gordy was better than Dr. Death. Yeah. That's I don't know. That's a tough one. Well, it's not because he is, so. Hey, uh, <laughs> Where did, <laughs> the, the the problem is you couldn't have fantasy booked Gordy in '94 WCW because he had already had the second uh, overdose, right? But had you been able to, I would have made him world champion and have beat everybody. Sure, and beat him again. And then well, I'll fuck like, it, we'll bring in Steve Williams then. Bring in yeah, Doctor Death. 
I'd have I'd have Gordy beat him too. I would actually get Hogan to come in and have Gordy beat him. <laughs> well, you know what I was good. What I would do, I, I would do. I'd have Hogan come in too. But then I bring in Doctor D, baby. The doctor will get him to slap Hogan. Hulk Hogan, you you belong in San Francisco. I don't I don't think anybody was calling Doctor D. Unfortunately, I wish I wish he would come back now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I almost that'd be fucking in, amazing. Uh, I I would I would kill to see Doctor D in uh, AEW slapping all these sons of bitches. Well, he'd be charging them one forty for each slap. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have you t- shared that with Chrissy yet? What's that? <laughs> okay, so my my buddy and I went to uh, the Hamburg Fan Fest in Hamburg, PA. Yeah. And Dr. D was there selling slaps. So for 140 bucks, you got slapped by Dr. D. You got a video of it, a picture of it, and an autograph. And it wasn't like a playful slap. Dr. D was slapping the fuck out of every person who was paying. Oh, fuck for <laughs> that's why that's why I to have him at FanFest. That's I'm gonna pitch that idea to Barry. The Barry, we need Dr. D at FanFest, and we're well, gonna buy. You. We're gonna buy Chrissy a slap, but the problem is if Fuck that. he'd have to get on his knees to slap the Ewok. So, wow. <laughs> oh, oh, are we gonna bring in? Uh, are we gonna bring in the Islander? I, I would say to um, but I would the tell, Islander in too. I, I would I would tell Doctor D that he has to do the whole shtick though. He'd be like, that's a tough business. That's why folks like you ain't in it. That's why these rednecks out here. They, why folks like you ain't in it? I'm like that's that's terrific. But what what else you got? Oh, I'm gonna ask you a standard question. Standard question. I think this is fake. You think it's fake? You think it's fake, boy? That's an open hand slap, son. Oh my god! I'd pay for that. Fuck yeah, man. Slap to the face by Doctor. You think it was fake? You think my fuck. goddamn business is fake? Yeah, hell yeah. Doctor, he's a fucking man. Yeah, he's great. He's great. He's like. He's like Steve Austin and Terry Funk, like, rolled into one, but a, a lot more unhinged. You know what I hate is all these marks who say, oh, he was the original Steve Austin. Yeah, like Steve Austin copied him or something. Oh, I know. Yeah, everybody, you know how people are. They, they, I like fucking, oh, he was the original Steve Austin. He was Stone Cold before there was Stone Cold. No, baby, he was Dr. D, baby. Man, Her- uh, uh, Harold, what the hell's his name? Albert's getting fired up here. <laughs> <laughs> Harold. Harold. I don't know why the fuck I was thinking of Harold. <laughs> That's his evil twin, like Ian Ian Mooney. Ian Mooney? What about oh yeah, God, I forgot about Ian Mooney. I thought you meant Ian Cotton. <laughs> why don't we get Ian on one of these calls? He can tell us about how uh, everybody got murdered. <laughs> oh Totten, not rotten. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 Ian Rotten. No, I wouldn't talk to that fat ass. Ian talking like, yeah, this is all great, but did I ever tell you about the time that Ian Rodden's uncle's sister got killed? Let me tell you all about we'll it. We'll get him on here and tell us about how the stud fucked him out of that book. Yeah, he did. That was bullshit. I, 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 I wrote this you, book here. I had it in my dresser drawer. I didn't pay Ian Totten to write this thing for me. Uh, well, I booked Hulk Hogan. I know he came here first, right before he went to the WWF. In more that time that he went to the AWA. Uh... Oh, my God. You know what? I know 
because people give Vince a lot of shit for various reasons. But I remember Vince being on a documentary, and I want to say that A and E fucking history of pro wrestling, whatever. And the Vince, unreal and story like of professional wrestling. Thank you. And yes, Vince you're welcome. Gave, and Vince gave Vern credit for coming up with Hogan's basically whole shtick. Like he said it on camera. It's not like Vince signed him and said, oh, well, well, that would notwithstanding and things of that nature. Uh, oh, and be that as a man. <laughs> right yeah, from there. Like, that. One, two, he got him. No, he didn't get him. Jason left. He's like, this turning into a he's lawsuit. Like, fuck this. He's like, he's like no, fuck this so hard. I'm leaving. Fuck this so hard. I'm going. <laughs> what should I eat? I'm hungry. Get a burger uh, with extra tomato. Well, I wonder if Arby's is open. Oh, you got to be a, you got to get whatever you get. You got to have no cheese on it at all. That's what, uh, no, that's what I heard. Nothing oh, with shit, cheese. No. Who the fuck told you that? <laughs> Some Hawaiian dude. Who? Jason? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say Canadian. Oh, basically. Nah, I get no tomato. I love cheese. You nuts. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you, Chris? <laughs> I'm telling it is like it is, baby. I tell it like it is, baby. I tell you how it is. I was in San Francisco looking for a woman. I said a woman. I couldn't find a woman. I love a lot of men dressed like women. <laughs> Look at poor Mike. He's like, and then I He's just. Like, Mike's like Mike's just like I don't even get to finish my shit because uh, now, no, now there's two I don't of them care doing about that. I'm just now there's two of them doing bad impressions. Yeah, the impression variety hour is a little much for me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm only on personal gong show. <laughs> gong show, nice. So yeah, what were we talking about? Uh, I think we were talking about. Uh, we're on Clash, the I November Clash. I think we're on Starcade, weren't we at this point? Oh, oh no, we're going to the Clash where... We're on the Clash. He, if the Macho Man wins, he's going to go on to Starcade versus the Nature Boy. Yeah, brother, yeah, to get yeah. So go Mike, ahead, Mike. Mike. Mike threw everything away. <laughs> he's like, fuck <laughs> it! <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just waiting until uh, the voices are done. There's no point oh. talking until all that's over. Which go. one's mine or, mine or Chris? Both. Both. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, now you got two guys that'll talk over you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like the uh, chat conversation that, that Chris posted the other day that he and I had about the Bulls. And it was four screenshots worth, and I had three comments. <laughs> That killed me. <laughs> and that is literally, like I said, that's literally an encapsulation of what having a conversation with him is like. Well, you the, get when he takes a pause, you you get your shit in quick and get out. Yeah, before it starts again. You, your reactions were what were so damn hilarious when I'm like, I know. Uh, well, going to have four thousand rebounds, and you say this is all very reasonable. <laughs> 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 That's very likely. <laughs> the mass up. I don't know. 
It just oh, it, it could happen. Uh, all right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So what? So Dustin Rhodes beats uh, William Regal in the the study with a, a what a, a candlestick. Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> okay, so uh, Clash nineteen or twenty nine. We have Dean Malenko defending the TV title against Lance Storm. Malenko oh, wow. wins cross arm breaker. After the match, Bobby Heenan gets up from the announce table. Talks to Lance Storm. They walk to the back together. Uh, from this point forward, Heenan is the advisor slash manager for Lance Storm. While, awesome. while still working as an announcer. Uh, and we're going to kind of play up with, without using the word perfect. We're going to have Bobby get out a thesaurus and break out every synonym he can think and find to describe Lance Storm's work in the ring. Flawless. Last storm is flawless. Last storm is. I can't think of other words for perfect right now. Right. <laughs> okay, so uh, we've got Vader versus Big Bubba. Another Hoss fight there, which would be a tremendous match. Uh, Terry Funk versus Brian Pillman for the U.S. title. Pillman pains. Flair's getting or Funk's getting ready to leave the company, so he's putting over younger talent as you should, as he normally when does. Story. Uh, we have. Rick Flair, Tully Blanchard, and stunning Steve Austin versus Sting, Dustin Rhodes, and Ron Simmons. Simmons gets the pin over Anderson after a power slam. Austin gets a rub, teaming with Flair and Arn. Uh, we call back to Sting Flair, Austin Rhodes, Horseman, and Doom, plus the uh, more recent War Games match and Flair versus Rhodes at Halloween Havoc. Uh, one thing one thing they used to seem to do, and even Russo did it some in the in the right, war era. Storylines would get intertwined, and it gave people more things to do. You could mix up your matchups where you weren't having the same two guys fight for three or four months in a row on TV every week and at every pay per view. Right, and it's like like we talked about with the faces not coming out to help each other anymore because of that, you don't get that cross pollination of storylines. And that's something that I think they actually did fairly well at one point and they should have got back to. Yep. I agree. Uh, yes. And then main event Savage versus Arn. Arn, Arn takes the loss here. Savage hits the top rope elbow and gets flared Starcade for the title. Okay, moving on to Starcade. I think I see where where this is going, and if it's going, I think it is. I can't wait. Okay, we'll we'll see. Uh, Starcade 94, Brian Christopher versus Marty Jannetty for the Cruiserweight title. Uh, Jannetty hits a rocker dropper and wins the belt. Wow. Uh, This is the end of Brian Christopher's run in WCW. Been here six months. Like like we talked before, he's 22 years old at this point. I don't know if he could have lasted that much longer on his own. Maybe, like Jason said, maybe getting away from Lawler would have been the best thing for him. I just think with some of his impulses and at that age, not having a bit of a keeper might have been an issue. Uh, we have Tully and Arn versus Ron Simmons and Dustin Rhodes. Yep. 
Rhodes pins Blanchard. Brian, Brian Pillman defends the U.S. title against Vader. Vader wins with a Vader bomb and is the new U.S. champ. Nice. Uh, we have Harlem Heat versus the Nasty Boys. Uh, Harlem Heat retains the titles. Sting and Austin face off in a singles match here, uh, coming off the Clash main event. Austin gets the win, and it helps build him as he moves up the card. Dean Malenko versus Bobby Eaton for the TV title. Malenko wins with a Dragon Sleeper. Wow. Nice. We have Terry Funk versus Cactus Jack. This is Funk's last match in the company, and he puts Cactus big time here. Makes Cactus look like a million bucks to push him further up the card. And main event, Flair versus Savage. Savage hits the elbow after uh, Sting, Ron Simmons, and Dustin Rhodes come out to stop the Horsemen from interfering in the match. So we have a new champ going into 95 with Randy Savage holding the big gold belt. Is that where you thought we were going? No. No? No, but I don't want to say where I think it's going because I going that way. I don't want to spoil it. All right. Am I the only one that liked the uh, the WCW World Heavyweight Title better than the Big Gold Belt? I yes. like the World Heavyweight Title. Oh, big Gold all the way for me. Actually, I don't know if I liked it better, but I I, I really like that belt. I don't know. I, I just like the look of it, but Wait, it deserved a longer one? run. Yeah. The, the one that Vader had? Yeah. Oh, that fucking belt was badass. I love that belt. Good, nothing wrong with that belt, but it just didn't have, I don't know, to me it didn't have the iconic status. It didn't the have the, it didn't have the throwback to Crockett promotions. I get it. Right. I, I get to get, I get to get. Okay, we are January of 95 with Clash of Champions 30. Dean Malenko versus Lance Storm for the world television title, and Lance Storm wins with a Northern Lights suplex. Malenko had had a four-month run with the title, uh, but now Storm gets a chance with Heenan as his advisor. We keep the strong worker holding that title, which I think was important, and one reason why I didn't want Johnny B. Bad to have the belt. Okay. (laughs) No, I mean, it's like I said, Johnny B. Bad was over enough without a title. And and like we talked about, all he could do was that gimmick. And that gimmick only takes you so far. So, right. Yeah. True. Uh, I understand okay. that you don't want to make him mad. So we got cruiserweight title, Marty Gennetti defending oh, against Eaton. We go to a 15-minute time limit draw. Should be a good match. And it's one of those things where I really wish we would have had the Rockers versus Midnight Express at some point. All right. This is as close as we uh, John Tenta versus Cactus Jack. Cactus gets a win over a big man. Uh because he's going to be facing Vader soon. Uh, speaking of Vader, he and Steve Austin face off against Sting and Big Bubba. Vader gets the pin on Bubba. And uh, it's just a little bit of a rub for Big Bubba being in here with three big names. But he's there to take the fall. 
That way, none of the important guys take a loss here. And in the Clash tradition, we get an unusual main event, Randy Savage defending the world heavyweight title against Paul Orton. Oh, wow. I looked, I could only find a couple of matches where they squared off one singles match in WCW, and there was a tag match. Uh, I think it was Orndorff and Tito versus Orton and Savage. So I'm pretty sure they could pull off a pretty good 10-minute, 10, 15-minute 10, main event on a clash. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Orndorff was uh, an underrated worker. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, There's Orndorff. a match. It's one Orndorff might say that he was wonderful. <laughs> Him and uh, Tito have a match from 84 in St. Louis, and it's one of the best matches I've ever seen. And I yeah, only I, ever saw it on WWE 24-7. Yeah, no. Or, or, Orndorff, I... I can't believe he was never a member of the Four Horsemen, but, man, he was fucking tailor-made for that shit. He would have been great as a horseman. I mentioned that earlier, how it should have been, at some point, Rick, Arn, and Pretty Wonderful. Because I think we talked about that the other day. And how great that would have been. Well, remember in the early days of Nitro, they teased him being the fourth guy. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep. And then they attacked him. And that, and that was, was it for end. him because he and had the end him. neck damage. Yeah. And that was so, just after he got the mirror and everything. Gary Spivey just got him back on track. track. Right. I'm I glad someone thinking. else remembers that. Yeah, oh, everybody right. remembers Gary Spivey and the Psychic Friends Network. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying goodnight to you. I, I, I thought that... I'm tired. No, go ahead. All right. All right. See you, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm glad I could help. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you guys later. All right. I'll see you later, Chris. All right. Later. But uh, what was I starting to say? Oh, oh, Gary Spive in the Psychic Friends Network. I thought he was a made-up guy for WCW. I didn't know he was an actual guy. Yeah, so what's yeah. funny about that is... In my grandfather's barbershop in the 90s, he had a lot of talk shows on, including Talk Soup, which was just a review of talk shows. Yeah. And I remember Gary Spivey being on bits on Talk Soup before he was on WCW being Paul Orndorff's psychic advisor. So I thought it was even funnier. Gary Spivey from the Psychic Friends. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was just ridiculous. They got like this hidden camera backstage. He's like, I don't even know what's about. I don't even know if I'm Mr. Wonderful anymore. And he's just throwing stuff around. And who did he lose to, anyways, when he's throwing that all that around? Who was it? Oh, man. Who was it that he lost to? That he was upset that he lost to? I don't remember off the top. I can see it. I don't. I, mean, I can see everything you're talking about, but I can't remember who I know. lost. I don't remember who it was because I didn't actually see it, but I just remember hearing about it later on, and like just in the last couple of years, because like when this came up, when uh, 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 the less sexier you brought it up with uh, Eric Bischoff there on that show. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, I'm dead. 
It took me a second. It, it took a bit to register what he said. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Which, hold on. I don't know if, if, if anyone knows this other than just me and you, Mike. So, so a few, uh, about a month ago, Mike sent me a package of uh, this really awesome peanut butter, right? Yes. And the package was addressed to Conrad Diagostino. <laughs> and the best part was <laughs> the male person wrote a question mark beside Conrad Diagostino. <laughs> because I live in a small town. The, the, the postal worker knows me, knows my family. Who's Conrad Diagostino? <laughs> Didn't you say you had to explain it to your wife, too? Yeah, I had I had to explain the whole thing to to Jamie. Did, did you show her the meme? <laughs> She's seen that meme, yes. <laughs> What's funny is I just had to explain this to my dad because my dad started watching Dark Side of the Ring all over again, but he's only watching the ones where Conrad's like hosting it. Oh, it so like, it's not like it's not Dark Side of the Ring really. It's like uh like the after show or something where he's just talking to the producers there. Yeah. Well, they, they put out, like, different versions of them, didn't they? There's ones where it's, like, the full show, and they're just chiming in in breaks. Right. Right. Yeah, it's... Uh, okay. It's like an extended episode or something. Darker okay. side of the ring. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was being stupid, sorry. But anyway, Monday we were helping them take the pool down. I'm sorry, we're deviating again. No, no, Fuck um, it, let's do it. <laughs> Go on. And, and we get Relax, inside bro. and we're talking to them, my, my mom and dad and me and Jamie and the kids. My dad goes, who's this guy that looks like you on, on Vice? <laughs> He's like, you could easily. <laughs> and I so said, oh, that's my doppelganger. Dying. Did you, did you show your dad the meme then? I had to show him the meme and I had to explain everything. Yeah. Okay. Now, did you, did you just show him the, I love you for that? Or did you show him the title belt? I, the only thing people I have seen outside of the group is, is the, <laughs> I love you for that. I, cause then I have to explain what, 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 what Brazzers is. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> so it's just not worth it. Right. Oh, God. <laughs> but it was funny. He goes, who's this guy that looks like you? You could do the same job. You probably know more than he does. <laughs> you do. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't have millions of dollars. So. Right. You don't yeah, you, you haven't, you haven't been swindling money. people. I mean, running a successful business for years. But if, it was so funny you brought that up. I had to tell the story. So. Yeah, great. I don't know. Did you mention it to me, or was it in the chat that you mentioned that about your dad the other day? Or was it the chat with Hurtwack, maybe? I can't remember. I think you mentioned it was just it. you. I think it was just you. Yeah, it's a funny, funny story. Especially that your dad brought it up out of nowhere. Like, <laughs> Who's this guy that looks like you? <laughs> Okay, so another sidebar story about people who look like me. So we have this thing here in Pennsylvania called the Farm Show. It takes place every January in Harrisburg at the Farm Show Complex. 
Uh, the one year Jamie and Gianna and I went, this was before Logan, and I had gone to the stand where they were doing bacon. So the only reason people go to the farm show is to eat food. They, no one, most of the people who go could care less about the animals and the tractors and, and the livestock and the rodeo yeah, shit. It's all about well, the food. Really, it's not really farmers going. It's just general admission kind of thing. Yeah. Right. So Jamie and Gianna were in line for the potato donuts. I went across the building to get the bacon because they had bacon samples. And it was like Old Bay bacon, bourbon bacon, and so on. Sure. They couldn't find me. And the reason they couldn't find me is because I was one of many overweight, dark haired, <laughs> bearded men in flannel and jeans oh. at the Pennsylvania Farm Show. Yeah, I can see that. I, I had texts from her, where are you? And I would tell her my location. She's like, I can't find you. She's like, it was the worst game of Where's Waldo I ever played in my life. <laughs> there were 75 Waldos. There were. That's funny. <laughs> oh, man. So we're on Super Brawl. And bef before we okay. continue, so I got to touch on Good. one thing about Super Brawl, the real Super Brawl 95. Paul Roma buries the fuck out of Alex Wright in Super Brawl yeah. 95. And why he lost his job? Yes, he did. He got okay, fired. So the best part about that is after Roma hits, hits the elbow drop and he's celebrating, Bobby Heenan goes, <laughs> It's over. His career is over. <laughs> Bobby, Bobby didn't even hide it. He just outright called it. And Shivani's so confused. He goes, from an elbow drop? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Shivani. <laughs> I love Shivani. Don't get me wrong, but he was so bad on commentary by this point. In 95, who, who knew he'd get so much worse? But, I mean... Oh, honestly, I think Shivani was at his peak with Jesse. Jesse yeah. brought out the best in Shivani. Yep. Yep. I still love that fucking story he told when I on that panel when I went and saw him at the Comic-Con. And he's talking about riding in the car with Jesse. And we see some lights off in the air. And Jesse goes, was that a UFO? <laughs> and then he talks about you get later on years down the road. Uh, no, oh, I, I, I skip. The first part is that he he calls his wife on like some. They had like some phone in the car, like the bag phone or whatever. Right. And he's telling her about it, and and she's like, "Are you guys high on marijuana or something like that?" Years later, I guess. Told one of Shivani's sons working at Fox News as a producer, and Jesse's there to go on some show, and he tells him, uh, "Mr. Ventura, I'm Tony Shivani's son, or whatever." And the first thing Jesse says to him is, "You ask your dad about the time we saw a UFO, and we weren't high on marijuana either." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I I love. On the November 93 Clash, which is like one of Jesse's all-time great shows of calling wrestling. Rude and Road Warrior Hawk are the opening match, and Rude complains that Road Warrior Hawk is too greasy. 
And Jesse goes, Rude's saying he has too much posing oil on him. And Jesse goes, what's posing oil? Or Tony goes, what's posing oil? And Jesse goes, you've never gone down to your local Walmart and bought posing oil and posed for Lois? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, Oh, Jesse. Oh, God, I miss Jesse on commentary. Yeah. He was fantastic. All right. I, I, I'm I don't care what enough. anybody says. He was still good in WCW. People are like, oh, he was phoning it in. I'm like, no, man, he was still great. I, I think the highs were, were still there. They were just fewer and far between. Yeah. I mean, he could he could still come up with some just unbelievable material. But, and as good as he was with Shivani, he didn't have the same rapport as he did with Vince or with Gorilla. That's true. When he had JR sandbagging him constantly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Good old JR. What can you say? And JR even admitted the years later, he was like, uh, uh, you know, and that, how he said, like, he was, he was, he was mad because Jesse was making so much more money than he was. Yep. And, and it's funny too because when they did that RF interview with Jesse, and Jesse th- says that he th- he was mad because he's making more money. They go to the clip of Jr. saying that and saying it was my mistake. I should have just been more professional. But and Jesse's like, oh yeah, it's about time. You know, he's like, I gained some respect for Jim Ross now. Right. <laughs> no offense to Jr., but Jr. wasn't in movies. No, he wasn't in Predator, Running Man. JR was a great announcer, but he wasn't a star outside of wrestling. Yeah, right. And, it, and he didn't have, even in wrestling, he didn't have star power or reach that Jesse did. Exactly. Until much, much later. Yeah. So, you know. All right, let's get back to Super Bowl yeah, 5. Yeah, let's get this, let's okay, get this so knocked out. This is when they started running the pre-show matches on the main event and using it as a de facto pre-show. So Which instead I of loved. Yes, instead of dark matches in the arena, you had matches on main event. Okay, uh, we'll hit the high points here. Lance Storm beats Malenko with the star kick to retain the TV title. Uh, this was Malenko's rematch. You know, like I said earlier, I always felt like they needed a pay-per-view or a clash to get that rematch back to kind of end the feud and not just as soon as you lose a belt, you're moved on to something else. Uh, Vader retains the U.S. title over Big Bubba. Uh, Bubba gets the title shot after the Clash of Champions tag match between Bubba and Sting versus Austin and Vader. Again, interweaving the stories. Uh, Dustin Rhodes and Ron Simmons versus Pretty Wonderful. Roma eats the pin, but doesn't get fired yet. That comes later. <laughs> <laughs> we just we delayed we delayed the inevitable there. Uh, Cruiserweight title match: Marty Jannetty versus Eddie Guerrero. Eddie wins with the gory special and becomes the new cruiserweight champ. Jannetty uh, is done here. He was basically just a transitional champ to get the belt from one heel in Brian Christopher to another in Eddie Guerrero. Two-month reign, move him on down the line. 
Number one contenders match for the U.S. title, Sting versus Cactus Jack. Cactus gets the win. We call back to their feud in 1992, and Cactus continues to move up the card here. A loss here I don't think is going to hurt Sting. He's, a, he's, he's such a made guy. He can, he can drop a match at a pay-per-view like this, and, and it won't hurt him. Uh, really, the way you're booking Cactus, it can kind of come out in, in Cactus gets the rub by getting respect from Sting after the match kind of situation. Yeah, sure. Because it's, it's face versus face here. Yep. So, yeah, definitely. Um, Arn and Tully get a token title match here against Harlem Heat. Tully eats the pin because, again, he's only here for a short time just to satisfy me. Uh, but, you know, they're a credible team for Harlem Heat to beat and continue to build them as the champs. Yes. And uh, Savage versus Flair for the world title. Savage uh, retains with a crucifix pin. Uh, Flair's rematch. He moves on after the match. Post-match interview with Mean Gene Okerlund. Savage is attacked by Stunning Steve. We're getting ready to start moving Austin into the solidly into the main event picture here. We move into Uncensored. In March, uh, Eddie gets his first cruiserweight title defense. Brad Armstrong retains after a frog splash. Oh, one thing I, I, I missed on Super Bowl there. And this is one of the things I actually kept from the actual cards. In one of the pre-show matches, we have Arn versus Johnny B. Bad. Arn wins after a spine buster. But after the match, Johnny B. Bad drops Arn with the Tutti Frutti which leads into their boxing match at Uncensored. That's just such a goofy, fun little thing. I wanted to go ahead and keep that match. <laughs> and Because it's not going to hurt Arn to stooge around for him because of who Arn is. Yeah. And it gave, some, it gave Johnny B. Bad something to do that didn't involve the damn TV title. Uh, okay, so Falls Count Anywhere, U.S. title match, Vader versus Cactus Jack. Cactus wins after an ST plunge through a table. New U.S. champ. Uh, he gets his win back from the casket match at Halloween Havoc. The title gave Vader something to do for a while, but he wasn't really big in my long-term plans. No, nothing against Vader. Great. One of the greatest big men ever. But just didn't fit what I was going for. Uh, Six-man tag match, Sting, Dustin Rhodes, and Ron Simmons versus Flair, Tully, and Bobby Eaton. Um, what I have written down here, I actually meant to change. Uh, Rhodes was in the figure four, doesn't doesn't tap out. There, you know, he's in it forever. Fighting, he's fighting. Bobby Eaton comes off the top and hits an Alabama jam and breaks Dustin's ankle. Ooh, I like that. Putting him on the shelf until Great American Bash. So the, he, it's his dusty moment where he gets hurt at the hands of the horseman. It get, the horseman needed some kind of heat here because they've taken a lot of losses over this run. Uh, World TV title gauntlet match. And this is one thing I really hadn't 
I hadn't thought about multi-man matches too much at this point, but they had used actually a couple of uh, three-way dances and different things on pay-per-views. And so I thought, you know what? There's so much talent here in the mid-card. This is what we're going to do. So we start with Regal versus Jericho. Regal submit uh, submits Jericho with the Regal stretch. <clears throat> Malenko comes in, pins Regal. Then Pillman comes in, pins Malenko, and then Two Cold Scorpio was the next man in. Pillman pins him. Lance Storm though gets a a fatigued Pillman beats him and retains the TV title here. Um, it doesn't hurt Pillman, I don't think, to take a loss here, especially after he had to fight through Malenko and Scorpio to get to Storm at yeah. the end. And it's a big name, or a bigger name anyway, for, for Lance to get a victory over as champ. Uh, World Tag Title Match, Harlem Heat versus the Eliminators. Eliminators win after total elimination on Booker T. New tag champs. Uh, this is one of those things where I really thought I might get some questions on pushing them this uh, this far, this fast. I don't hate it. Uh, and the reason being is that um, the Eliminators, when, when Cronus was in shape and Saturn was of right mind, were a really fun team to watch and could have good matches with anyone. So it would almost be a mirror image kind of situation. That was kind of my thought. Basically what you just said there, that summed up my thought with giving them a push. And I I don't love a lot of the tag teams that were on the roster at this point. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Dick Slater and Bunkhouse Buck. I like the team Bunk and Funk better than Slater and Bunk. Yeah, yeah, but... But Funk is gone about now. Uh, The Nasty Boys, again, nothing wrong with them. But I I wanted somebody fresh. You know, it gives Harlem Heat a different matchup. And I I feel like Harlem Heat needed pushed harder than they were at this point. Okay, World Heavyweight title match. After Austin had jumped Savage at Super Brawl, he gets the title match here. But Savage wins by DQ after both Flair and Vader interfere. Hmm. Uh, you know, Flair's got to got to stay in the picture at least somewhat, I think. And Vader deserved a chance to get back in the title picture, however brief. Makes sense. So we roll into Slamboree. Uh on the pre-show, we have Pillman versus Malenko uh, based off of the gauntlet match at Super Brawl. Bobby Eaton gets a world TV title match against Lance Storm. They go to a 15-minute draw. Again, this is the horseman getting a little bit of heat back uh, and, and not, not eating a loss here. Uh, Sting and Ron Simmons versus Arn and Tully. Blanchard pins Simmons after Eaton sneaks out and he's holding on to Ron Simmons' foot. To, uh, to keep him from kicking out. Uh, now, Cactus Jack is moving into a, a fairly long-term feud with the stud stable at this point. And Dick Slater gets a U.S. title match. Cactus gets the win. 
So it's basically going to be Cactus versus Funk. Well, Funk's gone. Well, but yeah, but yeah, Slater. <laughs> Although at this point, I don't remember enough of Dick Slater from from this point, ninety five. Was he still doing the Funk impression? And was it good still? It wasn't good, but he was still doing it. Okay, okay. See, that's what I. Thought. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what I thought. Uh, Harlem Heat gets their rematch against the Eliminators for the tag titles. Saturn pins Stevie Ray after hitting him with brass knucks. Uh, That way it's not... I I tried not to do... I tried to stay away from dusty finishes and disqualifications outside of, like, dark matches, pre-show matches, just because I hated how they were so overused for such a long period of time. And, you know, this way, it's a sneaky win. Yeah, they cheated. Ref didn't see it. So it doesn't it doesn't look necessarily as bad for Harlem Heat, but it gets some more heat on Saturn and Cronus. Used to be used almost as much as uh, the modern day. Oh, somebody's music plays, and I got distracted. Then I got pinned. Yep, exactly. All the fucking time. Uh, Cruiserweight title: Eddie Guerrero versus Jericho. Guerrero gets the win here. Uh, but this is going to be the start of a long-running rivalry over a number of years for these guys. And, it, you know, it starts here in the cruiserweight division, but I think if you get them this early, in a year or two, these guys are are fighting for the U.S. title, and eventually down the road, they're probably main eventing a pay-per-view for you over the world title. And that's another one of those long-term rivalries you can have where they they switch face and heel over the years but you've always got that callback. Building stars, who'd have thunk it? Yeah, right? Crazy idea. Well, we could just let Hogan come in and steamroll everybody. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, what a... What a hater, brother. Yeah, well... <laughs> it, it, it was earned, I'd say. So we've got number one contenders tag title match, pretty wonderful in Stars and Stripes. Stars and Stripes gets the win here and gets to shine a little bit. Uh, Roma takes the fall, and this is his last match. He's done. Now we have a four-way elimination match for the world heavyweight title. Savage versus Vader versus Austin versus Flair. Based off of the interference that uh, the previous pay-per-view. Vader takes Flair out first with a Vader bomb. Savage pins Vader after a missed Vader bomb, followed by the top rope elbow. Austin comes in, hits the uh, sit-out cradle pile driver, and becomes our new world champion. Now, I have no idea if Austin really used the sit-out cradle pile driver or not. I was trying to find something other than the stun gun for him to win the match with. I looked, didn't find much. This was one of his signature moves on a video game. That's what he did. <laughs> it was it was just one of those things. I wanted something different. So that's what I went with. Uh, oh, okay. So it was Fall Brawl 94 where they had a three-man elimination match for number one contender spot. I don't remember who that was, 
But that's where I got the idea for some of these multi-man matches. Because otherwise, I never would have done any of that because I didn't really think it was a thing that early. I always thought it was more of an ECW creation. So I was surprised to see that. Savage, you know, Savage was trying to survive three heels, but it was ultimately too much. Seemed like a good way to get the title off of him without uh, taking too much shine off of him. And it also kind of gave Austin a way to kind of lay lay back, let Flair and Vader do a lot of the work early, let Savage get tired, and then sneak in with that victory. Like a rattlesnake. Yeah, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Great American Bash. So this is where we kind of pay off the Dustin Rhodes injury at the hands of the horsemen. I I really wanted to book uh, war games here since war games originated at the Great American Bash. But it became such uh, an iconic thing with Fall Brawl, and I didn't want to do two of them in three months, four months' time. I thought that would have been overkill. So before we get to the main event, we've got a couple of title changes. Uh, First, Cactus beats Bunkhouse Buck, continuing the stud stable feud. Lance Storm defends the TV title against Johnny B. Bad and drops the belt. Johnny B. Bad finally gets his little title run. It's nine months after his initial or his real life run. But it gave me the chance to give both Malenko and Storm the, those title runs and establish them as new talent, which I felt was a lot more important than Johnny B. Bad being TV champ. <laughs> I, 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 I feel like I'm harping on it. You, you could have stopped at just more important than Johnny B. Bad. <laughs> I, I, I felt like with his popularity, he had to get a run at some point. So here we go. Um, yeah, but he was only popular as Johnny B. Bad, as we've established. Yeah. So, yes. Uh, okay, Alex Wright versus Brian Pillman. Wright wins the match, but post match, Pillman snaps and attacks him with a chair, and we get a heel turn. We don't get full on crazy loose cannon Pillman at this point, but I felt like he needed something to kind of freshen him up. Heel turn seemed like. Eliminators beat Stars and Stripes. Cruiserweight title ladder. So we are a little over a year from Razor Sean at WrestleMania 10 and about two months before their second match at SummerSlam. I feel like Eddie and Jericho could have had a hell of a ladder match at that time where it's not as many contrived spots and things. Well, I mean, Eddie and... Well, the contrived spots didn't come along until uh, Hardy Boys and Edge and Christian, right. so... Right, What were you going to say, Jason? Uh, Eddie and X-Pac had a good one at Sold Out. One of the better matches at that first Sold Out was right. Eddie and X-Pac in a ladder match. Yeah. So I feel like this could be fun. Jericho wins the title here. So we're furthering that feud. Um, World Heavyweight title match Austin versus Vader Vader gets his his shot here Austin wins with a low blow 
after the ref is distracted by Colonel Parker. Uh, Austin's <laughs> joining the stud stable here basically as cannon fodder to help keep the title on him. Being able to throw Bunkhouse Buck and Dick Slater out in front of challengers, at least. Yeah, he always seemed like an odd fit for the stud stable. Right. I I think as world champ, you can maybe make it work where he's saying, I want a manager and a couple of flunkies to help me keep this belt. Because he's, he's he's not a chicken shit heel, but he's the... He's the thinking man's heel, I guess I want to say. Uh, so our main event, we have the four horsemen, Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, and Bobby Eaton versus the Maniacs, Randy Savage, Sting, Ron Simmons, and Dustin Rhodes. Dustin's returning from the broken ankle. He pins Tully Blanchard. Now, we had... A stipulation here. If the horsemen lose, they disband. If the maniacs lose, Randy Savage retires. So I I didn't do the war games match, but we still had some big stakes here. Tully takes the loss and Tully's done. He retires. He's out of the company. Uh, after this, Arn goes ahead and joins the stud stable. Again, giving Austin more cover and and a much stronger uh, running mate than either Slater or Bunkhouse Butt. Well, and Arn was in the stud stable, so yeah. exactly. So you're you're getting that from real continuity in there. Bobby Eaton becomes Earl Robert Eaton and joins Regal ah. and Jean Levesque and the Blue Bloods because that was so great. Those vignettes with Regal and Eaton were just tremendous. One of my action figure regrets. <laughs> <laughs> the what what line was that? It was the original San Francisco toy makers LJN ripoffs. The wrestling yeah. superstore was selling yes. them for five bucks for like ten years. Oh my god. Oh the money that stuff's worth now. Okay, Ron Simmons, he leaves for ECW along with two cold Scorpio at this point. That's it's pretty close timeline wise for, for both of those guys. Maybe a little, maybe it stretched a little longer here. Um, but we're we're kind of going into a little bit of a roster reset at this point. So uh Bash of the Beach 95 is next. Cactus, Cactus versus Arn for the U.S. title. Arn hits a spine buster and then a DDT and becomes a new U.S. champ. So again, Cactus is still feuding with the stud stable, but now he's got somebody on his level and somebody that will be able to further him. Yeah, even with him losing, he lost after taking both the Spinebuster and the DDT. It wasn't just one to take him out, it was both. Exactly, yeah, it took them both. And so, you know, keeps him strong even in defeat that way. Um, Johnny B. Bad beats Earl Robert Eaton in the TV title match just to get his first win and his first major title defense. But the Blue Bloods are going to start to become more relevant after this. Uh, Starting with Regal and Jean-Paul Levesque 
defeating Harlem Heat here. Cruiserweight title, Jericho defending against Eddie Guerrero. We're going to do the Brett and Austin double turn. Jericho slaps on the line tamer. Guerrero refuses to give up and passes out. Uh, leading up to this, Jericho had been the, the happy, smiley baby face, but since he won the title from Eddie, he's starting to be a little more heelish in his actions on TV. Uh, and with Eddie doing the frog splash and all that he could do, you know, by this point, we're a year into him in the company almost, the fans are ready to cheer for him. Right. So I think at this point it makes sense to do that. And as much as I don't like Brett, I love that angle with him and Austin with the double turn. It was so great. Let's be honest. You're pushing, you're pushing, uh, the H man just to annoy Rodney. So <laughs> no, I, I feel like, uh, he's, <laughs> he never, I don't think he ever would have been a world champion here, but he could have been a solid upper mid card guy. Had they invested in him and kept him around. So he's the guy that works with the guy, is what you're saying. Maybe a guy, guy that could be your U.S. champ. I, I don't know that I would push him as far as world champ necessarily, but, you know, he he could have been an asset in that tier below Austin and Rhodes and Pillman with the occasional shot in the main event against some of those guys. The top of the bottom and the bottom of the top. Uh, he they had to stu- they had to drop that awful fake French accent that they had to do sometimes, <laughs> and I never saw him do an interview with that while he was Jean Paul Levesque. I saw like one a couple years ago. I was like, oh, ooh, no wonder they never let him talk on WCW Saturday Night. <laughs> well, if he would have been you know fully in the Blue Bloods with Regal, Regal would have done most of the talking. Oh, for him absolute, and he. absolutely so uh okay we've got sting versus vader in a number one contenders match sting wins uh stink with a stinger splash after the match the giant debuts and attacks vader uh the point of this is to prove he's the one true giant of wcw now you're bringing him in is he still going to be andre's son <laughs> no, no. He, and and because Hogan didn't come in, there's no Jimmy Hart, so there is no connection with him or with Kevin Sullivan. None of that. Oh, that means we don't get some of those great theme songs. <laughs> that is sad, but I'll say. I thought you said great. <laughs> uh, okay, we got Dustin Rose. Come on, I got the clap. Anyone else want it too? <laughs> that was an ECW theme. He's going to give you the clap. <laughs> it was. It was. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> See, the best part is it's so late. We're all getting really punchy. So. Yes. Oh. Yes. Try to speed through this. Dustin versus Pillman, 20 minute Broadway here. Neither one of them needed a loss, but hell of a match. Former tag partners squaring off. Guys that are going to be big in the uh, in the company. Yeah, I'm here. Sorry. Uh, 
Let's see. Eliminators, triple threat world tag match, the Eliminators versus the Nasty Boys versus Flair and Orndorf. I think that's a fun team. Gives Flair something to do after the horsemen are gone. And like I said, Orndorf always seemed like he should have been a horseman. So this is as close as he gets here in this version. Uh, Nobbs taps out to the rings of Saturn. Eliminators keep the titles. Austin versus Savage. Uh, Austin gets a clean win here because he needed that. The former champs doing a clean job here. And uh, it it should just help, you know, solidify and and make Austin more more legit, I would say, by giving him and a clean win. And it's probably something Savage would have offered to do, too. So Exactly. And like, like we talked about earlier, if Savage comes in and is your big acquisition instead of Hogan, he is the guy that will help build talent for you and have no problem doing it, have no ego about doing it because he knows it's the right thing. And that's what he wants to do. Like he was with Sean. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. And look at what he did with DDP. Exactly. The whole Hogan thing. I always have the the what if, like what if they actually did like Flair talked about in his book is like, they were going to trade the title back and forth initially. But then Hogan said, you know, no, oh, brother, I think I got to go on a run with it. Yep. And because they were going to trade back and forth, then they're going to work Sting into the mix. And somehow and have the three of them go in. But. And yeah, that would have been. Me. Go ahead. There, there were ways you could have made Hogan work. Yeah. But his ego wasn't going to let it happen. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, Albert and I both admit we're we're Hulkamaniacs. I mean, I admit constantly that I wouldn't be a fan if it wasn't for Hogan. Savage is what kept me as a fan, but Hogan is why I became a fan. Um, But Hogan, and I hate saying it because I love Brett, Hogan and Brett were the kind of guys that they had to have belts. They wanted to be the champion. They wanted to have that, that notoriety. And then there were guys that just didn't need it, and they still had the same notoriety. Exactly. And and I think it probably bugged the shit out of Hogan that guys could do that. You know what I mean? Like I'm not I'm not knocking the guy. I'm just saying I feel like he and I and I think that Brett had some of that same resentment that somebody else could be kind of his equal. And not have to have the title to do it. I could be wrong. That that could just. I mean, Piper's the shining example of a guy who didn't need a belt and was huge. And I'm sure that ate away at Hogan. Well, it's because Piper drew WrestleMania one. Right. And and he made a better movie than Hogan ever made. I don't be hating on Mr. Nanny. <laughs> oh, you hate on it all you want to. That was That's that was where we first got Zodiac. the Zodiac. What about Suburban Commando? I, Suburban and Commando I actually liked. Yeah, Suburban Com- Commando is pretty good, actually. Yes, yes, yes. It's like probably Hogan's best movie. 
if that's then, not that's a, that's a Hogan starring movie. That's a Hogan starring movie. I mean, obviously his best appearance in a movie is Gremlins Two, Gremlins where he two. plays Hulk yeah. Hogan. Absolutely, the Gremsters. Let me tell you something up in that booth, brother. Uh, <laughs> for me, it's always going to be Thunderlips in the flesh, baby. Well, that's true. Yeah, that, yeah. I, I, I always think of that. That was his I, best role. I just think that his best acting, acting, is when he plays Hulk Hogan himself. So, right. like, his appearances on the A-Team as Hulk Hogan. His appearances sure. in uh, Muppets in Space. You're going deep on this one. <laughs> I I got, I, I'm trying to think of all the... Um, that's the only thing I remember from that movie because I didn't watch it all the way through, but I was like flipping channels. I see him like, he's plugging the NWO, brother. That tells you how far the Muppets had fallen in the late 90s. <laughs> yeah, they had, they had to get the rub from the Hulkster in the NWO for <laughs> life. <laughs> get him back on Gonzo top. totally would have been NWO for the record. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Gonzo, brother. If you're NWO, you're NWO for life. See, so... We missed the real crossover, which would have been Bobby in the, in the balcony with Statler and Waldorf. <laughs> I thought you were going to say uh, Animal rappelling down from the ceiling with Sting to lay out the NWO. Because no, Animal would have been more like Sabu. He would have been fired after three shows. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Uh <laughs> I'm so sorry for the, my random tangents tonight. No, it's hilarious. You're a big Muppet guy, right? That's great. I am, yes. <laughs> I love the Muppets. The old, the, the original Muppet movies and the show. Even the show they did was like, remember the Muppets Tonight? Did, no, no, no. Before that, they did like the Jim Henson Hour on NBC, and like the first half was uh. I don't know what sort of Muppet Muppet TV is what it was, and uh, yes, it was I like, remember that. And then like the second half of the show was like uh, was uh, the storyteller. Yes, but but that first half is that was that was some good stuff, and it, it was short lived. Well, I've, I've mentioned in the group chat a few times we have uh, on VHS the 30th anniversary of the Muppets. Jamie Jamie's original recording from when it aired when she was little. And nice. it's something that we don't have a VCR anymore, but we pull it up on YouTube at least once or twice a year and watch it with the kids. I uh, I tend to, every Christmas, I will pull up the uh, Muppet Family Christmas on YouTube. There's a few different As do versions. I. Yeah, that's it. That's in the rotation of the 40 to 50 different Christmas movies and specials that Ashlyn and I watch. Yeah. I'm also a big mark for Emmett Otter. Yes. Yes. We watch that one every year, too. See, we might have to do a Muppet episode when Diggy can finally come on, because I think he's a big Muppet guy, too. Oh, he's huge. Huge Muppet fan. That would that would be great, actually. That would, that would be a really fun one, I think. Absolutely. We'll book Muppet Mania. <laughs> actually, uh, so... You know what pisses me off? Oh, go ahead. 
So um, r- funny tie-in with the Muppets and wrestling. If you ever saw the Muppets sex and violence special that aired before they ever had the Muppet show, there was a a, a wrestling bit with wrestling Muppets. Hmm. It huh. was a one-off special. It's on um, the first season of the Muppet show DVD set. And I happen to have that. So I know it. Um, but yes, there's, there's, there were Muppet wrestlers in the seventies. Nice. Interesting. Did they look like Vern? They look like Vern. (laughs) 30 30 years in the business, native Minnesotan. Uh, (laughs) They didn't bring us the team challenge series, sadly. You know, that that was probably a Jim Henson idea and Vern stole it. He didn't have the magic, the Jim Henson magic, though, so it didn't work. Oh, it didn't work. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Albert? <laughs> I was, uh, I was gonna say that it pisses me off that Disney Plus, Disney won't shell out the money to get the Muppet Babies on uh, Disney Plus, the original Muppet Babies. They got that new version on there, and like, I want that original cartoon on there. That's that's one disappointment I had. I with Ashlyn growing up, I showed her a lot of older things. Like her her favorite cartoons are like Scooby Doo. She loves Flintstones. Uh, you know, she likes her favorite TV show is I Love Lucy. She likes a lot of older stuff. Nice. And I want her to be able to see the original Muppet Babies cartoon because I think she would have loved it when she was little. You couldn't see it anywhere. Yeah, uh, it's, and that's one of the great cartoons ever, and it and it's it's kind of lost. And I don't understand why, because it's like something about rights with like all the little film clips. Yeah, but that's exactly what it is because they use so many uh, bits from Star Wars and um, see, Indiana Disney, Jones is, and Disney that. owns that stuff now. Yeah, well, but they, well, they might not be... own the Indiana Jones footage, but yeah, it's the stuff the, that Disney doesn't own, own at this Wars point. Yeah. yeah, there's there's just enough in there that they don't own that they can't do it. Because I actually and had I... this conversation with TGBL on John Fell's one post about the Muppets. Because even uh, because like uh, even with the shows for the Muppet Show on uh. On Disney Plus, they they paid they shelled out some money to get a lot of rights for like the music and whatnot for that show, but uh, there's still like a few things that they cut just because of. Uh, I think there's a Wizard of Oz scene from some episode that they cut and didn't put on there. They didn't put that episode on there because of the ridiculous amount of money they had to spend for the rights to it. Well, it's like the. Saturday Night Live episodes on Peacock. Musical performances are gone. Yeah, there's no music on there. None of that was a consideration. No. Even even 30 years ago. No. That kind of thing wasn't a consideration at all. Oh, What's like... funny about that is, um, obviously you guys know I'm, I'm a nerd. Um, the Friday's episodes that are available to stream have the music performances in them. So if you watch the old Fridays 
like the, the ABC version of SNL right. was called Fridays. Mm, yeah. If you watch those online, the official streaming versions have the musical performances in them. <laughs> Which is interesting because like all your talk show stuff, like any clips from Letterman, they cut out like the entrance while they're playing the music out or anything like on his official page, you know, the one. Yeah. And all the how many seasons of Fridays were there. I want to say three altogether. That's a lot different in how much you have to shell out versus 40 plus years of SNL. Well, that's yeah. true. Or, yeah. uh, you know, the, for the, the Muppet show, however long it ran. I mean, it, it, it adds up. Yeah. And you, especially with like SNL, I'm sure you probably run into more people that either want an exorbitant amount because they were hot at that point and got on SNL. And yeah, they, and they, they did nothing afterwards. Exactly. And, you know, whereas so like, since it's just disappointing. Yeah. You go in and you you see an SNL episode that's 23 minutes long because so much of it's cut out. And that's why ECW is unwatchable on the network. Yeah. Yeah. And it's aged badly, but yeah. Well, they're they're not the only thing in that era that aged badly, though. You know, there there's stuff like from the Attitude Era. I have to go through and just pick out individual matches if I want to show Ashlyn. Oh, because I, I can't let her watch that show. Can't let her watch that garbage. No. Uh, I, I, Fever cleavage. Yeah, exactly. There was so much offensive stuff. I I I. There was so much shit that as it was happening, I was like, hmm. You right. know, it's like. In, in, in honesty, I was a WCW guy during the Attitude Era. See, I never really was. I mean, WCW was always secondary to me. But I think I feel like a lot of that is because I grew up on WWF. So I was like, I was able to forgive more of their egregiousness early on, like with bad gimmicks, because I was like, eh. and like, uh. And and then as like I said, I started watching WCW in '94 when I finally got cable. Right as Hogan was coming in there, and they're teasing him, and they're teasing him there starting in March, you know. So it was like good timing for me as a big Hogan fan, but bad timing <laughs> for WCW because, like I said, within about a year, it felt like it was a completely different than what it was when I started watching it, and that was because it because it was. Because they totally shifted, and yeah, and and Mike's right. It's because it was because of Hogan. Because Hogan's like, well, I like working with these guys, you know, and and these yep. guys are all older now, and they're slower and whatnot, and they they the, can't they couldn't challenge him as far as drawing power. Uh, he knew that that they were going to be happy getting the paychecks they were getting, so they were going to go along with whatever booking he wanted to do. There wasn't mm-hmm. pushback. I mean, it's it, it wasn't any different than when a, back in the territory days when a new booker would come in and bring in his crew to whatever territory he was yeah. coming. So it's and not it, like it's not really like he was setting out to ruin the company either. You know, it's no, just no. he thought he was. This is what's going to be good for business. Can put me on top, run it through, 
And it's like, Hulkamania's on a tear. But that shit didn't sell with Southern fans. Well, it had stopped selling everywhere a couple of years before that. And and he stuck with the same, he wanted to stick with that same Vince formula of, here's the monster that comes in and gets fed to Hogan. Yeah. And that wasn't going to play with, with the majority of their audience. No. But even, even the WWF audience had been burned out on that. And they were over it. And well, once you introduce a more competitive wrestling style like they did with, uh, I I really feel like it started with Flair and the Savage feud there. And I mean, I I was just all about all the baby faces before Ric Flair came along. I mean, I only knew Flair from the magazine and he showed up on WAF TV. I just thought he was fucking cool, you know? And and even though I was still a Hogan mark, I was like all about Ric Flair. Like, <laughs> uh, you're, you're right. That is that was kind of the start of it. Was was Flair and Savage, and then Brett, and, and then Sean. Brett, and, from the- and everything there is like it was more about being better. And they tried to go backwards there, you know, before they've really embraced it because they brought back the Warrior there, and and what we have, and I wonder about this too. It's like. If Warrior wouldn't have fucked up Flair, where Flair had that inner ear thing, where he, he thought he was gonna have to fucking quit the business, right? Would Ho- would Vince have not lost faith in Flair, and we would have had a longer run with Flair in the WWF in the mix at the top? Probably, um, but it all I think it also depends on how quickly Brett could have established a little bit of rapport with Vince. Because Brett clearly did not like Flair, and I think it was, you know, Mutual. resent. It was, it, it was, but I think a lot of it was from Brett's attitude and and kind of how he approached the situation. He yeah, he, he seemed to think like uh, Rick was sandbagging in their matches or some shit, but it it was more so that he was fucked up from the Warrior. Warrior right. fucked up his ear, and he's working. He's working with Brett. And he's fucked up. He's so if the matches weren't good. It's because he wasn't Ric Flair at that time. Right. When your equilibrium is thrown off like that, what you, yeah. you can't, you're not the same. Exactly. But, but like so many other things, and I don't want to, I, I don't want to belabor the Brett point, but yeah, so many other things, everybody else is to blame and not him. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I mean, and here's the thing too. I was a huge Bret Hart fan until up until just after he took the title from Flair. I was like, I was excited at first that he took the title from Flair, but then I was like, I want Flair to get the belt back. Right. <laughs> I want more Flair. Exactly. And it's like, and that was really the end of me liking the good guys, <laughs> other than when like Hogan would come back or something. There. <laughs> Again, I know. I know. Right. He was the one exception because I started watching WCW and I love all the heels, but I also love Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I know. I know, man. I know. <laughs> uh, we're just going to buzz through this all stuff. Right. Stags is tired. He's dry. Yeah, me too. And I got I got a fucking trip tomorrow to Wisconsin, although I don't think I'm leaving until about noon. But You got a trip today to Wisconsin. 
well, fuck off. I'm still counting this as, I was still counting this as Friday night. So right. you haven't but, gone to bed yet. It's still Friday. Yeah. But I know uh, what you mean. Yes. Okay. So high points here. Uh, Jericho continues his mean streak, beating Brian, beating Brian Armstrong here on the clash. Wins with the lion tamer, refuses to break the hold. Just a throwaway master road dog can do the job here. He and Scott Armstrong did a lot of jobs on the dark matches all throughout the booking here. Because they were a fine tag tag team to be there and and put people over. Um, Dustin versus Flair. Dustin gets a win just to continue to build him up for later on in the year. Uh, Steve Austin and Arn Anderson versus Cactus and Sting in the main event. Cactus and Sting win by DQ after interference from Colonel Parker. You've got the baby faces are your number one contenders and the heels are your world and U.S. champ. Pretty self-explanatory there. That's August 6th. So now we roll into the one thing that I really hadn't planned on doing, which was the first Nitro. But there's just no other way to debut Luger. That was such an iconic thing with him showing up unannounced at that show. Yeah. See, I don't think it happens. Because you're not going to have a Nitro, and then you're not going to have a Luger. Dags and I talked about this a little bit. I think it's still possible, because like he said, uh, Turner still wanted to compete with Vince. And and maybe he does, and maybe it's not Monday night. Maybe it's not Monday Nitro. Maybe you're not going head to head. Yeah. But but I think probably by this point, especially Savage has been in the company for a while. You've probably popped some buy rates. Your ratings are probably up because again, you're you're pushing the younger talent and the and Flair's still heavily involved. And and I think, okay, you still get this show. It may not be the same, but we're still gonna do it from the Mall of America. They, the announcers stress that because it's in the mall, only the talent you see on TV, that's all that's here. The whole roster is not here. There's not room. It's a it's a functioning mall. So we still we get Liger showing up. He wrestles Jericho for the cruiserweight title. Liger wins by DQ. Flair and Orndorff versus Harlem Heat, just for some star power. Main event is Sting versus Arn. Sting gets the win, but the stud stable uh, hits the ring. See, the, the announcers didn't realize they they were there. So the stud stable comes out, and they're beating Sting down when Luger slides into the ring with a steel chair, clears out the stud stable, and you go off the air with Sting just in a state of shock at Luger being there and saving him. So here's another reason why I think Luger would jump no matter what. All the people he trusted the most in the business were in WCW. Sting's his business partner, best friend. Flair's his mentor. Arn's someone he's friends with. All these people that he's personally associated with in real life are there. Absolutely. And to further that, I think... Because Hogan's not here, 
you get this new show, Bischoff is going to be more interested in bringing in Luger and not just doing it as a favor to Sting. Because now he gets this big dramatic reveal on his new yeah. show. And, and Luger has a big place then as a big name. And I think it, it had a lot of impact in real life the way it really went. I think it could have more impact for the company here. Because Good question. The, yeah. Do you have Bischoff as your announcer with Mongo still? Oh, Jesus. God, God no. It's Monday night, baby. I was I was biting my tongue not to interrupt you during that whole thing. I was like, I really want to ask him this, but I don't want to step on this. No, there'd, there'd be no Mongo. There's, I did not book no Kevin Green. Uh, I never booked Kevin Green anywhere in here. You know, um, Kevin Green. I think a lot of that was was maybe Hogan driven. I don't know. I don't think the Kevin Green thing was so much. As wasn't he a wasn't he a Charlotte guy? He played for the Panthers, right? Well, I think he was playing for them then. I mean, he had been a Ram and a Steeler for years yeah. prior. He was winding okay. down his career with Carolina. Okay, and, and I and he may and he may have had a connection to Flair. That's what I was thinking. Being there, I, that's just not something I want to do. And no, Kevin Green, Kevin Green was pretty good for the for what he did and what experience he had. He was not bad. I'm not saying he was good, but I I never seen him wrestle, so I wouldn't know because I don't I wasn't watching WCW pay per views at that time, and uh, hell, I wasn't watching WWF pay per views at that time. <laughs> yeah, I was I was a last. I mean, I well, I didn't have pay per view purchasing ability available to me until 1996, so. Uh, yeah, it would have been the fall of 96 before I would have had that when we got a satellite dish. So, so it was all here until it was 97. All, it was all renting the pay-per-views from like the video uh, store. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's months later, but yeah. And there, there were no WCW, like current WCW pay-per-views available. Because all we no. had. No, all they didn't had, have them was a locally owned video store. There were two locations. Now, the smaller of the two, it was on the, the other side of town. It had all of the old Crockett stuff. It had the Starcades. And the first time I went in there and looked at stuff, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Why are these not at the bigger version of this store where we go all the time? The, the selection is so much better. But so at and that's how I got introduced to some of those pay-per-views then. So my mom and pop, because that's all we had up here were mom and pop shops, and they were different mom and pop shops. Yeah. But the one we had a membership with had a ton of WWF pay-per-views, all the best ofs and everything. One WCW pay-per-view, and it was Starcade 95. <laughs> Actually, Starcade 95. The World Cup of Wrestling. Yes. Yeah. That that actually had something going to, appealing to it, although not at the time to me, but in right. hindsight, you know. I rented I actually rented that one a lot. <laughs> See, for me when I was a kid, we the most rented wrestling tapes I had were from a grocery store, actually. Same. And that was Survivor Series eighty seven and eighty eight. 
And it was because of the tag teams from Armor Series matches. Oh, they were the best. Yes. Yes. I I really wish that we would get an actual honest to God Survivor series this year. Oh God, I hope so. I that's I mean what I hope Triple H has said that well he said it about the war games. I don't know about the other stuff, but he said right. it's not gonna be Raw versus SmackDown. I hope the whole thing isn't Raw versus SmackDown because right. the whole bragging rights thing was stupid to me. What? Don't ruin Survivor Series with that. Give your for God's sakes, you used to have a separate pay per view called Bragging Rights for the same right. crap back when you had a brand split before that. And now uh, I I did like the the one year that they tied NXT in. Yeah, kind of like that. That, that was kind of neat. But that was kind of neat. But yeah, it's not. That's not how it needs to be. It needs to go back to teams of five strive to survive. And I'm really, I'd even be fine with four. You know, yeah, that's fine. But it's fine. But teams of five strive to survive. You know, that just has a nice ring to it. But it's yes. like for for several years there. You know, uh, they went down to four teams. Uh, they went down to teams of four. I don't know. What was it? 89. 89 was, no, had to be 90 was the first time they went down to four. No, I think it was 89. Was it 89? Yes, it was 89. Okay, you're right, because I'm getting it confused with the year before. Yeah, okay, yes. Yes, they went down to four Now, that what, now it, you mentioned 90. I liked what they did in 90s. That was the first pay-per-view I ever saw. We drove to my my grandparents, my mom's mom and dad's house an hour away because they got pay-per-view and they bought the Survivor Series, and that was the year where they took the winners of each. No, that was an interesting match. concept. That was great. The ultimate Survivor Series, and they only did it the one time. You well, had Tito, Warrior, and Hogan versus all the heels. Yeah, I really think the only reason they did it that year was to satiate the egos of both Hogan and Warrior. Because the, they both they both the main event. <laughs> they both wanted to be that last match. And that's the only way you could have them both be in the last match of the show. Every single thing with Hogan was always when he didn't have the belt was double main event. Wasn't like that when Savage was a champ, but with Warrior as a champ, big double main event. <laughs> yep. The Warrior couldn't draw. There, I said it. He couldn't. I mean, I'm telling you, I I really think this is sabotage. Mr. Perfect should have won the WWF title. Uh, probably, probably the end of '89, and then Hogan wins it back at WrestleMania. So. Granted, we're fantasy booking WCW here. Yeah. Just throwing this out here. Think of how different pro wrestling is if Honky Tonk Man doesn't hold Vince hostage. Yeah. Because DiBiase was to win the belt at WrestleMania 4 if you yeah. go based on everything we know. Yeah. So what, then Savage is not elevated? He's... Savage no, would have had the inter- IC champ again, right? Yeah, that's yes, what I'm saying. Savage though he's going to win just... the belt at the main event. 
Yeah, he's going to win the IC title. Yes. But he's not going to be in the WWF title picture. He probably, I mean, he, he was undeniable. He was going to get there eventually. And it would have been was a he, though? token. Well, if if you go with the standpoint that Honky Tonk doesn't doesn't do what he did and Savage wins the IC title and DiBiase wins the tournament at WrestleMania 4, you get the Mega Powers angle, you just get it a year later. Exactly. Because you're and still so, going to have the Mega Powers against the Mega Bucks. Yeah. So Hogan gets the title back from DiBiase at WrestleMania 5. Or or do you think Savage wins it at WrestleMania five? No, because I think the build in that's still gonna be Vince isn't turning Hogan heel, so it's gonna have to be a heel savage. Okay, but but how does he get the belt? Yeah, he's gonna have to get it off of off of DBS. Okay, so you have him win it. When do you have him win it? Do you have it do you have it be at the inaugural SummerSlam? Because that's only a what, four or five month reign for DiBiase. Then that I don't would, think you do that. I, I think I think you're going to WrestleMania five. Okay, so Savage wins it there. Savage wins it there, loses it WrestleMania six. There you go. That could work. Because I think you still have you still have to have that big tag match. At some point, you still have to have Andre and DiBiase versus Hogan and Savage because that was the draw. Whether you have it at SummerSlam or you do it at Survivor Series, it's it's still got to happen. Yeah, and that way we we lose uh, Zeus. Oh fuck! <laughs> we lose the, the SummerSlam. The movie game. didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, we don't get any of that then. So that'd oh. be great. And then Axe loses his SAG card. <laughs> well, the movie still happens. <laughs> oh okay. We just don't get Zeus wrestling. How about we get we trade Zeus for Stan Hansen? <laughs> quick, there you quick, go. Quick. That'd be awesome. Uh, quick <laughs> question here. Quick question here. Was Zeus brought in because the movie was bombing? Or was it always a plan that we're going to bring this guy in to try to build up this movie? I, I don't know. I don't know. Every. Everything I've ever read is that Vince wanted to do Hogan and Zeus at WrestleMania six. Oh, dear Lord. (laughs) I don't doubt that for a second because the look that tiny Lister had. Oh, he was amazing. He was impressive as hell to me as a kid. And, and so I totally buy that Vince looked at that guy and he's like, I can make a million dollars with him. And then he got in the ring and Vince is like the fuck if I can. Tiny got him harder than any paralegal ever did. Does he? Does he? Uh, <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> Zeus was Zeus was wearing fucking lifts, wasn't he? Tiny Lister, oh, he's wearing lifts. Probably. probably. He is not as tall as Hulk Hogan, yet he towers <laughs> over Hulk Hogan. So he had to have some lifts of some kind. Because I, I I watched movies with him and like I, down down the road afterwards, and I'm like, he is not that tall. He was six five. Six five. Yeah. Yeah. Z gangsta. Z gangster. That was that was his name in W. 
WCW, right? Yes, it was. Z Gangster. See in there. There you go with that, that quality Hogan booking. <laughs> he came back in the alliance to end Hulkamania. Wasn't that what it was? That's what it was. The Here four horsemen in the Dungeon of Doom. We can't get Warrior. Let's create the Renegade so I can pretend to get my win oh, back. Oh, I was so fucking pissed. Man, uh, that's really such kept, a sad... He, my ultimate surprise, brother. You yeah. kept saying that, and I'm like... Oh. And I remember earlier in the summer, too, uh, I can't talk about it now, but called the hotline deal where, <laughs> where Gene was talking about uh, the Ultimate Warrior. So I'm thinking... Ultimate surprise? He's talking about on the hotline earlier? Not that I call the hotline, but I'm like putting two together. Ultimate Warriors coming to WCW. Yay! We just no. found out Albert racked up a $100 phone bill when, in 1995. <laughs> no, no. Was that 95? Yeah, I guess that was 95. Uh, no, no. But uh, I was like, Thinking, oh, Warrior's coming. No. And then, he's bigger than the ultimate warrior ever was. And wasn't that what he said when he introduced him? He's better than the ultimate warrior yeah. ever. I, I'd have to go back and watch, but that, that probably. Uh, that I think it was, what was the, re- was the reveal on main event? I'm trying it to remember was. what it was on. His first I match think- I know was on main event because he beat Arn for the TV title. Yeah. Uh, well, I remember good. that, which was. Fucking embarrassing. Yep. Yep. That's such a sad story. I'm sorry. It is. I feel so it, it, that ba- that dude got hosed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That that just had a that had a bad ending. Yeah. Speaking of hosed, let's go back to Fall Brawl '95. <laughs> okay. DDP uh, <laughs> beats Johnny B. Bad for the World TV Title. Uh, I feel hosed God. already. We we formed the Jersey Triad with DDP, Canyon, and Bill DeMott. Okay, I like that. Bill DeMott was coming in. I did not want to do hu- humorous. Not, I mean, Jimmy's not here, so we're not doing that. that. Oh, what was his original? His original name wasn't humorous. Right. It wasn't? No, he had a different name at first. Was he the laughing man or something? Yes. I thought he was the laughing man, Hugh Morris. Let's take a look here. Oh, he was the laughing man and then the man of question and then Hugh Morris. And those were dark matches, yeah. Yeah, so I thought this was a better way to, to do something with him, you know. DDP's a heel. He gets a couple of flunkies for the for the lower card, you know. I like um, it. I've got uh, Malenko and Guerrero as a team. I don't remember what where I put them together, but after the uh, double face turn or double switch with Jericho and and Eddie, I've got Eddie and Malenko teaming up for a while as a tag team. Here they're going against Regal and Eaton. 20-minute time limit draw in probably a match of the year contender with those four guys. Um, Harlem Heat gets tag titles back from the Eliminators here. Uh, the Eliminators had a 
I don't know, five or six month reign, I think. But now they can move down the card, give Harlem Heat another run at the top there. Uh, I've got Savage versus Pillman. Pillman getting a win here. And uh, afterwards, he says it's his time and no one should get in his way. I don't really pay that off that. <laughs> but but maybe in 96. Uh, we can call back to that. Um, Vader versus the Giant. Giant wins with a choke slam. This is Vader's last match. He's gone. Dustin versus Ric Flair again. Rhodes wins by DQ after Pillman attacks him. Uh, point being, that'll build to, a, like I said, 96. There'll be a feud there with those two. Uh, Jericho beats Alex Wright in the Cruiserweight title match. He's beating him down with a chair, and uh, Mr. JL comes out for the save. Oh, God. It's time to <laughs> do him. Okay, you, 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 hold on. You had Bill DeMott as Bill DeMott instead of Hugh Morris yeah, Laughman. But, but Jerry Lynn is still Mr. JL. He just Jerry Lynn. That's fine. I just, okay. The, you got to understand, this was three, second night in a row. I was up till 3 a.m. doing this. Oh, <laughs> we, just, we just put it down as Mr. JL because it was the last Chris, time. Chris is right. You spent way too much time on this. <laughs> oh, I spent hours and hours. But, I've got OCD with this kind of stuff. It's like I can't jump into a TV show a season or two in. I'm, I'm a completist when it comes to stuff like that. This, yeah. say, I've got to got to go from where we're starting, and I got to do all of it. Yeah, I know. I feel you. Uh, okay, so war games. Stud stable: Austin, Anderson, Slater, and Bunkhouse Buck versus Sting, Cactus Jack, and the Nasty Boys. So over the last couple of events, the Nasty Boys and Bunkhouse Buck and Slater have been working dark or pre-show matches on main event and just beating the shit out of each other. And that's how we get get this. Because there had to be, I had to have a War Games match with a stud stable. There's just no way around it. Roll into Halloween Havoc. Uh... Sorry, I, I I just pop, I just popped Albert. I'm sorry. Oh. I pulled a you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's good. Totally. Yeah, I, I'm just saying we need to wrap this up soon. Is all I'm saying. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> all right. <laughs> Not because of that. Because it's getting late. <laughs> yeah. You know what you're talking about. Okay, I've got uh, John Paul Levesque uh, beating Alex Wright on the pre-show, starting a little push for him. Um, Jericho playing Storm for the Cruiserweight title. And Storm wins, new Cruiserweight champ. A little something different there. Uh, Flair and Orndorff versus Eddie and Dean. Eddie and Dean get the win just to you know, put them over a, a bigger name team here. Savage versus the Giant. 
Savage wins by DQ when the Giant won't release a chokehold after a five count. Just trying to make the Giant look a little stronger, getting a little more heat here, beating a guy like Savage that can take the loss and it not hurt. Yeah. Um, Pillman versus Dustin Rhodes, number one contender match for the world title. Dustin win. No, 30-minute draw. I'm sorry. Arn versus Cactus Jack for the U.S. title. Cactus gets the, the belt back here. Uh, and it ends his feud with the stud stable this whole year. Luger in his first uh, big, big match here. Beats Bunkhouse Buck and Dick Slater in a handicap match. And then we've got Austin versus Sting for the world title. Austin catches him with a small package when Sting goes for the Scorpion Deathlock. Sting gets a title shot, but he doesn't need the belt. He's over enough, big enough name. He's fine. Uh, world War Three Highlights here. Oh, we, we built a little Jersey Triad Blue Bloods feud with some of the pre-show matches. Uh, DDP versus Regal for the TV title, but Page retains on a DQ. Uh, Eliminators versus Guerrero Malenko tag match. They're kind of passing each other. Eliminators on the way down in the in the division. Guerrero and Malenko moving up. So a win over the former tag champs doesn't hurt them, you know. Uh, Austin versus Pillman versus Destin three-way match after the draw between Pillman and Rhodes at the previous pay-per-view for number one contender. Uh, Austin retains after Rhodes hits Pillman with the bulldog. Austin grabs Destin, throws him out of the ring, and pins Pillman. I can see that completely happening, too. Right, just, just being that sneaky little heel. Uh, Savage versus the Giant again. Giant wins after five choke slams. Savage goes out on a stretcher. So it makes the Giant look like a big bad son of a bitch. Savage can take a little break because he's going to come Savage back. Savage comes out looking tough because he took yeah. five choke slams. Exactly. And he's going to come back next year as a heel when he returns. Uh, 60 man over the top rope battle royal. Come down to the final four. The Giant, Sting, Luger, and Dustin Rhodes. The Giant tosses Rhodes over the top rope, but Dustin hangs on and lands on the apron. Uh, as this happens, Sting and Luger turn their attention to the Giant and work together to eliminate him. Luger then dumps Sting out of the ring, and they argue with Luger saying, hey, it's every man for himself. Totally a Luger thing. I, I don't think there's any, any trouble anybody would have with buying that. Uh, while they're arguing, Dustin slides back into the ring, dumps out Luger, and he's your number one contender. Faces Austin at Starcade. Uh, so we've got Cactus beating One Man Gang, keeping the U.S. title. I, I don't know why One Man Gang was here at this point. But I figure, you know what, he, he actually... I think he won. Did he win the U.S. title? He won it from uh, Kensuke Sasaki. Why is the gang coming in if there's no Hogan? 
He didn't George, work Hogan when he was brought in. George did he just, not? I don't believe he did. No, I thought that was one of the early matches on a Nitro. Oh, it could have been there, but I mean, it wasn't a big thing. Right? It wasn't like a feud or anything. Yeah, yeah he, uh, wasn't, he wasn't like the monster of the month or whatever. Okay, fair. So he gets he gets the U.S. title shot. He just doesn't win the belt because there's no point in that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> DDP drops the TV title to uh, Triple H here, continuing the Blue Bloods triad feud. Uh, Flair and Orndorff square off here after having a falling out at the last pay per view. Flair turns face because I'm, after the first of the year, I've got to rebalance things a little bit with Savage coming back as a heel, a couple other things going on. I need Flair to turn face. And at 95, people wanted to cheer Flair. They didn't care. I mean, they'd boo him when he was a heel, but they wanted to cheer him. Everybody loved him by that point. Um, Sting and Luger defeat Harlem Heat to become the new tag champs. Gives them something to do away from the title picture. And we can do the, we can do the whole Luger's a heel, except when Sting's paying attention thing, which just <laughs> cracked me up. I thought that was so funny. So one of my favorite moments from that is is the uh, the clash, the last one at Caesars, when Luger hit Stevie. He hit one of someone with the roll of quarters, and the quarters are all over the place in the ring, and Sting just completely ignores it. <laughs> <laughs> I just I thought it was so great when Luger would be like healing to the kids as they're walking to the ring and then Sting looks, you know, he's acting okay. I just it was just so because Sting had been built as so oblivious with all the times that Flair turned on him and everything uh. else. It just perfectly played into who Sting was portrayed as. Uh, Sting was a schmuck. It's, <laughs> it's literally in his theme music that if he if a friend is in need, he will be there for them. Yes. You know what else it was in his music? That he does this, and he does that. <laughs> That's pure Michael Hayes and Jimmy Papa. <laughs> He's quick like a cat. <laughs> I think we all can agree that Rude's theme was the best one on the slam. No. Wait, wait. I guess. I That's faint praise. Faint praise. All right, wrapping this up, Arn versus Pillman, number one contender for the U.S. title. Pillman gets the win. Steel Cage, world heavyweight title match to keep the uh, stud stable out. Steve Austin versus Dustin Rhodes. Dustin wins after a bionic elbow followed by a bulldog. New champion. I love it. So. We know they call him the natural. Yeah, we started. Naturally. Started the Dark match was Eliminators versus Eddie and Dean to kind of get things going. Uh, cruiserweight match, not for the title, but on the on the dark match, Jericho versus Psychosis. Ooh. This is Psychosis's debut. He came in right around this time. I think I might be a month or two early, but it was pretty close timeline-wise. Um, but with Dean and Eddie as a tag team, it's time to kind of start replenishing guys in the cruiserweight division because Janetti's gone, Christopher's gone, taking two more out to be a tag team. Um, 
let's see. Levesque gets his first taste of gold, an incentive to keep him here instead of jumping to New York. That's why he wins the TV title. <laughs> and, and again, I, I, like I said, I think you can build him to be an upper mid-card guy and help fill out your roster going forward. Yeah, he'll probably leave at some point. But he was a guy worth investing. He wasn't. But you couldn't do with Hogan and his guys in the company. Here's the thing, though. We're talking about Dustin Rhodes, right? You, mm-hmm. That's who you're talking about in the jumping. He's is no, he going to jump? I'm talking about Triple H, but oh, I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Um, uh, I no, wouldn't it, in, in my booking, Dustin does not jump because because uh, yeah. he doesn't get fired. Yeah, exactly. Because there's no blacktop bully bullshit. I kind of like the blacktop bully, by the way. Well, that's fine, but but that match and Dustin get. But fired. that match doesn't happen during that awful yeah. pay per view because you're not booking that shit. No, exactly. Uh, let's see. Sting Luger is the tag champs. Oh wait. Flair and Orndorff fell out over the four-way tag title match last month. Flair turns face as we need to rebalance the main event scene with Sting and Luger as tag champs and Savage coming back as a heel to challenge for the big gold belt next year. Uh, By giving Sting and Luger the belt, we can start to turn Harlem Heat heel and the Nasties because the Steiners come in in March. So... They're going to be the other face team at the top, along with Sting and Luger. Orange nearing the end of his run, so he puts Pillman over in the number one contender U.S. title match. And Pillman gets to keep moving up and go after Cactus Jack, which I think they could have a hell of a fun feud over the U.S. title. Um, Especially with Pillman as a heel, and he can start playing into that crazy character. They can start doing some wild shit. <sighs> Finally, we cap off the year with the next two megastars of the company fighting for the title, Austin and Rose. Uh, Austin's going to move into a program with Flair after this, and Dustin and Savage will be facing off in 96 for the title. Uh, last thing I have is Clash 32. Just kind of playing into some of this stuff. Laparca, Hoovy. Public Enemy and Conan all come into the company just because we've had a lot of departures and it's time to fill back in with some talent that were coming in around this time. The timeline might be a little off with a couple of guys, but not too far. Um, Jericho and Booker T have a 15-minute time limit draw on the clash here in probably the match of the night. And then you get uh, Sting and Luger versus the Blue Bloods for the tag titles, giving the Blue Bloods a little chance here. And uh, the Giant goes over one-man gang to, again, give him a a hoss to destroy and make the Giant look big. And Dustin, Cactus, and Flair versus Austin, Pillman, and Arn in a six-man match in the the main event. Because I just, I love those random matches that they would do on The Clash. like, Like you said, Jason, I hated when they quit doing them. They were just, they weren't out of continuity, necessarily. But they didn't they didn't follow all of the, the current feuds or whatever. You just got such cool matchups. I thought it was a fun concept. But once you went to a pay-per-view a month, there was no point for them. Not to mention also when you had 
a two-hour nitro every week. Yep. Not uh, did were they still doing the Clash when Thunder came along too? No, or they had it, stopped they by done, '97. They had done by then. Yeah. They were, okay, but yeah, I mean, if you're giving two hours of nitro every week and you're giving marquee matches, what's the point of having a two-hour special? It, it became redundant. And so I understand why they went away. Yeah. And like you said, pay-per-view a month. Cause it was supposed to be like, cause they, before they just like filled in between. And yeah, back in the day when you only had what, four, maybe five pay-per-views a year. Yeah. Sometimes I think that we'd be better off if that was still the case. Oh yeah. I agree. I mean, and I even liked when WWF started expanding their pay-per-views. Remember, in your house was only two hours, which is why it was like it was two hours and it was cheaper. You know, yeah, it was like fifteen bucks or twenty bucks, whatever. So, and, and, and they were and enjoyable. Maybe I'm thinking wrong, but weren't they? I mean, weren't they kind of like the the WWF's version of the Clash? Only it was a pay-per-view; it wasn't free. Pretty much. I mean, it's a two-hour yep, show. You yeah. you have lesser matches going on on it in your house. Yeah. Uh, that Vince was just smart enough to monetize it. Yeah. Well, you think about it, he had it before with Saturday night's main event. Right. But then that went away. Which, if I recall, was because he dumbed himself out of position by doing some special with Fox and NBC said, yep, we're not doing these anymore. Um, I think it was more that they weren't drawing ratings on NBC. So NBC didn't renew it. Yeah. And then that's why they moved to Fox. Cause it was almost like a year in between. Right. I, and it was, yes, I mean, that's when they were, the business was starting to dip at that point. Anyway. That's true. I mean, the, the luster, the shine was off of it. The luster was off of it. And, right. And it wasn't, I mean, company-wide, they weren't drawing what they were drawing previously. But yeah. if you don't have Saturday Night's main event on Fox, you don't get the NFL on Fox. So Saturday right. Night's main event plays a very important role in Fox history. I'm talking out my ass. I'm sorry. And I wonder, <laughs> I wonder, I'd have to go back and reread the Saturday Night Live book. But was Ebersol still in charge of late night programming? Or was he starting to lose his grip on things there? I think he was moving strictly to just sports at that point. And well, he must have he must have cycled back at some point because he then fired Norm McDonald. Moron. That wasn't Ebersol, was it? That was a different that was an exact that it was, was Dick Ebersol. If you go, uh, the, the, when he, he's on, uh, yeah, cause, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, I'm sure it was Ebersol because, uh, he's friends with OJ and he didn't like his OJ jokes. Well, but I don't think, I don't think Ebersol was the one that fired him. I think he was just, I think he that, had the power to suggest he right. be fired. Yes. Yeah. I don't think he was the decision maker. He was just able to say, and, and wasn't it a thing where they told Norm, cut out the OJ joke, <laughs> and the very next week he did, he like, did more. 
Yeah, oh yeah, that's the thing. He, he just he, true norm. He doubled down. He doubled down. It's such a god. Like, what are you gonna do? Fire me? Oh fuck! You fired me. <laughs> oh, they fired me. Uh. Yeah. Well, thanks for indulging the the insane level of detail I went into. All right, I appreciate it. But you know, I really, I really think. They had all the pieces there with Austin and and Rhodes and Pillman to be the next big stars. You bring Savage in as that spark or catalyst that helps build those guys instead of, you know, what was it? Austin went to, did he go to Bischoff Hogan. or did he go to Bischoff and Hogan and say that he had an idea for a program? And they're like, oh, yeah, sounds good, kid. And then next thing you know, he's shoved down the card and out the door. I, you know, it just so much changed when Hogan came in and I mean, it changed, it literally, it changed the course of the business because if, if he doesn't come in and Austin doesn't get shoved out of the way, he probably doesn't end up in, in New York working for Vince and we don't get Stone Cold Steve Austin. Exactly. So you went through all this, you went through all this effort to rebook it and then we lost stone cold steve austin because of how you read it you know what if we still had wcw as a functioning quality company i'm okay with that but you know what if that means he's not gonna break his neck and and he can keep going on yeah because that never happens he doesn't take that pile driver from owen and you know a lot of you things get, change. You get like five more years of Steve Austin. Yeah. And only and, five. Well, that's that's a good point. It could have been more. I mean, he could have been one of these guys the going to like and Kenny Omega. <laughs> oh, hell. That's true. We wouldn't get these dumb marks and. Think of how sad Javorski would be if this if this actually happened and there was no TNA and Impact. I'm missing something. There's something missing in my life. Uh, oh, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I can't do the Javorski thing because I can't. There's something missing. <laughs> I think on that note, <laughs> it's is how we end the show this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, Kiss sucks. <laughs>